If a video didn't hit a million views in a day, I would private it. There's a lot to unpack with what you just said. It's a nugget of gold, bitch. Mm -hmm. Do you need a lawyer? You need a business manager? What have I gotten myself into? It takes a special skill to be able to go from short form to long form. How much was that first brand deal for? Mixing friends and business is difficult. I hit her up and I'm like, where's my money? Can you break down the business of Brittany Broski? OnlyFans is a big part <laughs> of the pie. My biggest you to this job and to this industry is. Today on the Colin and Samir show, we're joined by Brittany Broski. Now you probably recognize Brittany from this incredibly viral meme of her tasting kombucha. For most creators who experience early and unexpected virality like this, their career just ends there. But Brittany is the exception. She was able to take the momentum from her virality and expand into multiple content formats, all based around her personality and her sense of humor. How does she do it? We don't know. It's probably AI. In this episode, we talk about the complexities of her early success and how that led to an incredibly toxic relationship with her first manager, how she's rebounded and rebuilt her business since then, and how she thinks about content formats and building a strong community. Now, before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about our newsletter, The Publish Press. We send it three times a week to over 100,000 creators, and we break down the business of creators like Brittany. We've actually covered her four times in the press. We started the newsletter because we felt that when we were hearing stories about other creators and their businesses, we could take those lessons and apply them to how we were building our business. So if you're interested in that, if you're interested in hearing more about other creators and how they're building their businesses, go to thepublishpress.com. We put the link in our description. It's totally free to subscribe. Real quick, this episode does include explicit language. All right, now for our interview with Brittany Broski. Brittany, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I wanted to start with the way that Good Morning America titled your segment on YouTube. <laughs> because we were trying to describe in one sentence what you do. Uh-huh. And the way they did it. I think they nailed it. I, I think is, you can't get any yeah, better than yeah. that. I think the way the way they did it is so interesting. They said TikTok sensation Brittany Broski talks new YouTube show, comma, podcast. Yep. And in that sentence, there's three different formats. Period. Uh of what you do. Yeah. And I was curious. The poor YouTube manager who had to try <laughs> yeah, and figure that up. out. They're like, listen, you need to put TikTok in there, you need YouTube in there, yeah. and you need podcasts. Yeah. And it's the gotta be 52 characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know who I am yeah. too. He's like, well, I don't know what any of these words mean. Yeah. yeah. So how do you describe what you do? Oh, I yeah. hate this question. Cause it's like, there's not an answer that's not cringy to me. Mm. Cause I still think, I don't know, we're at this weird cross section of, of like, the internet right now where there are kids in middle school and high school who are growing up who are like, I want to be a YouTuber. But then at the same time, it's like being a YouTuber isn't cool. Like it's actually really lame when you think about it. So I think that it's this weird, like there's a pride in wow, I get to do this for my job, but also like I'm hyper self-aware that it is very cringe where I'm like, Hey, what's up you guys? Yes. You know, like mm. I don't really find uh, much career pride in that sort of aspect. Interesting. But I think that, at the base of it, even saying like comedian is like, I'm not a, I haven't, you know, uh, earned my flowers in that sense, I guess, because of, I haven't really done stand up. I haven't mm -hmm. done, you know, the sort of traditional things that make someone a comedian. But I think to my core, I do make funny content online. So in that case, sure, I'm a comedy creator. If that's even, you know, like something that makes sense. Like if I tell my papa, like my Mimi and papa, I'm a content creator. They're like, what does that mean? Right. Mm. And yeah. so it's like this weird thing of you either get it or you don't. <laughs> it's how I totally. feel. 
It's very strange. It, it's kind of exhausting to try and define yourself in this context. Yeah. Without the connotations that come with certain descriptors. I'm a YouTuber. That kind of conjures up like, you know, Mr. Beast, James Charles, mm. Tana Mojo. Yeah. Or I even really, like prankster. Yes. Mm. And it's like there's a cringy, clickbaity, soulless part of that whole era of YouTube. And then it's like, oh, I'm a TikToker. You know, people still in their minds think of Charlie D'Amelio and Addison Rae. And it's like, well, I'm not that. But I do make YouTube and TikTok videos. So it's like, it's this weird limbo and yeah. I don't really know what I do. Yeah, it's interesting. And you, you put out a lot of content too. Sorry. Yeah, but you do. You, <laughs> yeah. you do. Sorry about it's, that. It's pretty amazing. You, you put out TikTok content. Um, you put out, obviously, YouTube content. You have two shows, Royal Court and Broski Report. Yeah. And the Broski Report, um, you know, I would watch on YouTube and then I perused over to Spotify and saw like the amount of reviews you have on Spotify. Yeah. It's also really significant. They so ride. Do, do you like consider yourself a, a podcaster? Like is the craft of Brittany Broski, like you need to be kind of talking or in conversation and finding comedy through that? Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah. I definitely would say I thrive in conversational comedy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the Broski Report kind of proves that I can talk to a fucking brick wall right. and, by yourself uh, for by 50 myself. minutes, which Ooh. is crazy. Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you. Seriously, guys, stop. Stop. People are like, how are the people in the room not laughing? Babe, it's me. Like, it's literally me in a room. I'm running the cameras. I'm running the mic. And then I send it off to my editor. Like, it's me in that room. Literally, I'm talking to myself. And it's sometimes laughing at yourself, laughing yeah. at myself. Um, there is not a funnier person in that room than me. So, <laughs> <Nailed> <laughs> so I think that that is kind of like I you either can do that. We were talking earlier and I'm going to mm. kind of, you know, the process here. We had yeah. a pre-interview call. Oh, my God. Um, Exposed. You just exposed us. You know what, guys? <laughs> this is all about the inside track. Yes, we're we're exposing right. it. Um, and you brought up a good point of uh, it takes a special skill to be able to go from short form to long form. Yes. And I think that that's, that's what that is. Pretty early on, I started doing YouTube videos because I wanted to make sure that that audience would follow me to a different platform really early on. And so I think that that kind of lends itself to if you can talk to a camera for 45 minutes, you can podcast. So it's really not that much different me talking to a mic than me doing a YouTube video in my head. It's just a little longer. So yeah. I don't know. I think it's more fun as well. It's fun for me to be like, I can talk about whatever I want and I don't have to worry. Is this YouTube video going to trend? Is it going to do well? Is the thumbnail clickbait? Is this whatever? It's like, I can just talk. And I am so fortunate that people want to listen, you know, because yeah. it's like, mm -hmm. that's the hardest part is getting people to tune in and care about what you're talking about, totally. even if it's nonsensical. That's that's such I, a blessing at I the core. I think it's even harder to get a million plus people to click into yeah. a video that's just kind of your face and there's a video you have that's like talking about my favorite TikToks. Yeah. You know, and like to, to get a million plus people to click Crazy. into that, to just opt in, means that they have a deep connection with you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because it's, it's not the idea necessarily that's getting them in the door, it's you. Right. Uh, and that's a challenging thing to do. That Are there any crazy. comps in traditional entertainment for your craft or what you do? Like being a personality, I guess I think of it sort of similar to late night hosts where maybe it's like yeah. James Corden. There are a certain group of people who just like James Corden. And he no is matter, my twin, like, by the way. Okay, great, yeah, <laughs> sure. If you, if you think about it, we are twins. So James Corden. Colin doesn't know how to react to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah. He's, so, he's calculating if he's getting trapped in yeah, like some. He's like, I'm like, he's like, am I about oh, to get I'm canceled? Like, yeah. I'm also, I'm also, yeah, I'm like, has she brought up James Corden before? Vehemently opposed to James Corden. Great, okay, actually. so yeah. a different late night host. 
<laughs> who is known for their personality, Seth Meyers. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the tea. You remember what you, you said about Seth Meyers. These are, yeah. yeah. Come on, Kyle, you didn't do your research. I was <laughs> Well, here's the tea with all those. I think Seth Meyers might be the best out of all of those. Is like these straight white men who are kind of at their core kind of problematic always. And it's like that that structure of late night is very antiquated, I've always kind of said. But I do, yeah, I, I do think that apples to apples, apples to oranges comparison of like what me and sort of like Emma Chamberlain do on mm -hmm. YouTube is comparable to the Jimmy and James Fallon, Jimmy and Jimmy Kimmel's and Fallon's of the world. All those guys. All the Jimmy's. All the Jimmy's and James. All the Jimmy's yeah. and James. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a personality. It's hosting. Mm -hmm. It's it's um, emceeing, that sort of thing. But at the same time, having that banter with people is such a skill that I didn't know I had. And so it is kind of like, where does that fit in? Because mm. I'm, I can do this on my own. I have more fun when I'm doing it with people. But also, is there something that's beyond sort of like the live Hollywood aspect of it? Is it voice acting? Is it real acting? Is it stand up? You know, like the world's kind of your oyster, but at the same time, that's so daunting because I didn't want to do any of this. Mm. <laughs> like at my core, like I didn't ever see this being a real career path. And so it's weird to wrap my head around all the possibilities that are kind of at my feet, especially with YouTube. Like everyone wants to be a YouTuber. So it's like, I don't know. What do you do with that audience once you have it? It's very daunting. Yeah. And you're kind of, you're, you're practicing the craft and figuring it out in public. Like yeah. people are watching you do it. Thanks for reminding me. But, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. If you go back then, like why start uploading to TikTok? To make my friends laugh. Just to make your friends laugh. Yeah. And where, like place us into the world when you upload your first TikTok. Well, I downloaded TikTok because, uh, I was like, what the fuck are they doing on this app? I was posting the same shit I post on TikTok now on Snapchat stories in like 2018, 2019. It was the same type of video with like the filters or just ramblings or whatever. I had, it was really strange at A&M, at Texas A&M, I had added like friends of friends of friends to my Snapchat to the point where I was posting Snapchat videos that were getting like 1500 views. People mm. I didn't know. Mm. So I had a taste of what that felt like of we would go out to the bar district like next to the the campus and people would run up to me and be like, you don't know me, but I know da da da. And she told me to follow you on Snapchat and you're so funny. And it was like, thank you. What the fuck? Yeah. So that was happening when I was still in college, 2017, 2018. Then TikTok comes around. I get ads for it on Snapchat of like furries and cosplayers. And I was like what is this mental illness happening on this app? I've got to see it uh, and I've got to take part in it. And so I downloaded it, scrolled for a bit and I was like, let me see what's, if I can upload here, then I can send it to my friends directly. And that was kind of the genesis of it as I uploaded it probably 9 PM one night in 2019. And uh, this was like July, 2019. I was still working at my bank job. The next morning I wake up, 30,000 likes on this video. 30,000 likes in 2019 was like, I'm the most famous person on this planet, maybe. I mean, still, that's that's a lot of likes. That's, like, that's a lot of people to see it's something. Yeah. Especially, there were nowhere near, like people forget this, TikTok was not a popular app in 2019. Yeah, it was it like unheard, it was still musically kind of, yeah. like it had the same sort of content. And so to have that many eyes on it was like, whoa. And then a month goes by and then two months go by and then, and I hit a million before the end of the year. And it was like, 
And then the pandemic hits and it's like 2 million, 5 million, 7 million. And it's like, how does this, how does your psyche keep up with the reach that you're gaining? And so it was um, very weird from the beginning to have success. It was never this like, I got to grind for this. Mm. It was like, I just uploaded it for shits and gigs and it happened. So it's- Was it the same emotion, like making your friends laugh? seeing that 30,000 people were engaging with something and laughing or, you know, a million people were engaging yeah. with something and laughing? That's What's a good it? question. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Same emotion. Yeah. Interesting. Because you don't scale. get that, like, reciprocity in person, right? <clears throat> right. Of, like, if you're standing in front of three people and they start laughing, it, like, feels really good. Of course. You do it on the internet and you're like, did they? Yeah. Did they laugh? Or right. Am, am I speaking into the, cha- yeah. the <laughs> yeah, echo yeah, chamber? Yeah. yeah, I think it does translate, though, from the <laughs> comments and just the the addicting feeling of attention online and yeah. how dangerous and insatiable it is. I do think it compares. Yeah. <laughs> it does compare. Best drug I've ever tried. Yeah. 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 Love it. How uh, did you navigate sort of like how like vulnerable and open you were? Because if you watch those like early, like the first TikToks, it's we like- We don't have to. It's like- <laughs> we, did. we did it this morning. We did it. Yeah. It's like, here's like- Extra hair of mine on the shower wall. Don't worry about that. Like, no, mind you, you're talking about that in the middle of talking about having diarrhea. Am I having diarrhea? Yeah, I am. Okay. Is is that a, a hair ball in the shower? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and it's like, from my understanding, like from the beginning, yeah. 100%. like out of the gates, out the here's gates. who I am. Did you have that comfort with your friends? Is that like, that's the type of stuff with your friends. So here it is. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go, everybody. Like, yeah. And I think it never really. <laughs> For better or worse, it never crossed my mind to be like, maybe reel it in. It never was kind of on the table of, I need to censor a part of myself or my humor because it's public. Mm. If anything, that aided in getting all those eyes on me because, I, and this is so cringy to be like, authentic. But that is really the buzzword that they threw around is through yeah. all that of like, she's so authentic. She's so real. She's so herself. She helps me be myself. And it's like, what a genuine statement at its core, but I think that capitalism has kind of diluted that word of authenticity yeah. and being real and whatever. So it was never a, a strategic thing on my end. It was just, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> I think for me, like s- some of that stuff aside, the thing that I really liked the most is I was like watching a ton of your TikToks was you breaking, yeah. like laughing during your own <laughs> yeah. accent or during your own sketch. There's yeah. something... Uh, that felt like you're really bringing me into the early process of you just trying shit out. Wow, yeah. yeah. And and even like that actually makes me feel like a friend because that's what happens. Period. Like we don't actually like make the perfect joke and then all laugh. Right. Right. Like it's fun to see you messing around. Wow. And that to me was like, I feel like I'm a part of it. Yeah. I think that might be the magic. You just that's kind of what felt like the magic. It. Let's retitle yeah. the GMA YouTube video with that. <laughs> yeah, right? whatever he just said, just send it to How them. How many characters yeah. Yeah. are you working with yeah. there? Yeah, I think that you nailed it. It's. Uh, I, I always thought, you know, during SNL, the skits where they laugh are the funniest ones. They're the funniest. Totally. So I was like, I enjoy watching that content. That's the type of content I want to put out. So if I'm doing voices back and forth. And it's ridiculous because I'm talking to myself as different people in my apartment in Dallas, America. It's like, I want to, yeah, this isn't this serious comedy sketch that I need to edit and whatever. I'm on the toilet most of the time. So it's like, (laughs) there is a a sincerity in keeping in the bloop of me making myself giggle. And I think people love that because it's fun to watch at the end of the day. I think there was kind of these chapters in 
like what audiences have craved. Uh, mm. If you go back, like with television, you think about like, the, the family sitcom, it's like, okay, we can kind of see ourselves in that, but it's a hyperbolic version of it. Yeah. We go from there to reality TV, yeah. right? And we're like, ooh, that looks and feels a lot more like real life. You go from there to, to social and think about like Instagram story or Snapchat story is one mm. of the most, at the time was the most real version of someone. It's like, Definitely. that's exactly what happened in that room. And I think as the pandemic hit, that stuff kind of came to a head where we yeah. were having a collective experience and we were like, I just want to see what real people are doing right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Like what is actually happening in those rooms? Yeah. So timing wise, I think it probably couldn't have been better timing. And and so much of it is right place, right time. Like truly. And I always say this of if I tried to do what I did in August 2019 today, I would just be a number in the ether. Yeah. You know, it was this perfect uh, sequence of events of TikTok kind of taking off the way that it did, me being kind of early to the platform and me posting the type of stuff I was posting because you're right, on YouTube it was this bubble that had burst yeah. of creators who are so far removed from reality. You know, like Dramageddon and all these, the beauty community and, and this and that. And even if you take it back to like Sam Pepper and those sort of pranks where it's like, <clears throat> what the fuck are we doing? Like, how did it get, Jake Paul, how did it get to this point where we're making this content that is dangerous, it's scary, it's your audience's eight-year-old children? Like, what are we talking about? It's not what I'm watching, but for some reason, it's the most viewed videos on YouTube. People were sick of that. Like you said, that mm -hmm. era was over, and they were craving that sort of real, and I think also at this time, socially and culturally, like the Kardashians are on top. Yeah. You know, it's these unattainable beauty standards. People have never felt worse about themselves. And now guess what? We're all trapped inside to think about it. Right. Mm. And so definitely I think the pandemic and a lot of creators would sadly agree with me was the best thing that happened to our careers. Yeah, it, it, Everyone sure. is stuck yeah. inside, you know, they're watching, they're consuming. And so those numbers, you were able to grow so rapidly, but it's this, you know, are you able to sustain it? And I think that's the question. So when we talk about sustainability and like sustaining momentum, mm -hmm. you had some of the most unexpected momentum from your kombucha TikTok. Sure. It really <laughs> smells like a public restroom. <laughs> you know what? No. Well. <laughs> for someone who didn't want this career, mm -hmm. for that to be the thing that kind of exploded is pretty wild. It it, is. We we always talk about TikTok in the context of like it's like playing the lottery. It definitely. Like you you're you're throwing content up there and you just don't know, but all of a sudden one can just hit. Yeah, and that's the one. And it's the one that is going to piss you off too. <laughs> yeah. It's the one you put no effort into. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they know how to get you though. Like mm -hmm. you know, they they know how to keep you hooked. Absolutely. Um, talk through that experience and that like momentum of of that and wh what do you do with that momentum? I think that from being chronically online from the ripe age of 11, I'm talking two girls, one cup, blue waffle. We've been in it together, Oof, yeah, team. Yeah. I think that- <laughs> That was a tough time on the internet. It yeah. was, yeah. and it was. <laughs> That's a tough Especially time. for my yeah. underdeveloped brain, yeah. it was internet a lot was really visually. Out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really defined yeah. who I am as a person. I just have visions of someone putting that on every screen, yeah. like the computer yeah. lab yeah. at every high school. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, for what reason? Yeah. For what reason? Yeah. Other than just- Let's see what happens here. Yeah. 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 Hey, look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, look, now what? Yeah, teachers don't know about this, but yeah. we do. Yeah, yeah, for better or worse. I think that from being <laughs> chronically online and having been a consumer of this fucking media for that long, I just kind of intrinsically knew what to do. 
of like, I've seen people get pigeonholed. I've seen people be known as the, the Alex from Target or this or that, you know, like you're that guy forever. And I was like, I'll be damned if that happens to me. And so when all those eyes were on me, it was kind of simultaneous where I had my own track of what I knew to do. And then at the same time, this sort of predatory management company had contacted me. And how, I was how like- How soon after? Cause like kombucha weeks. video is uploaded. Does it, mm-hmm. it's like pretty immediate that mm-hmm. it gets traction, right? Yeah, it was like, I uploaded it on TikTok a week later. It was on Twitter. Uh, on gay Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just exploded. I mean, I was seeing it on climate change posters in Australia and and in Russian and Arabic, and it, it was everywhere. And I was like, I don't know what that says, but I bet it's funny. I bet it's a good <laughs> one. Yep. And so shortly after that, s- someone reached out to me and said, which period, she's smart when she did this. She was like, I'm working on a kombucha campaign for this company, and we'd love to feature you. And smart. I was like, yeah, you're a genius, dude. Yeah. And I'm surprised that no one did it before her. And uh, I was like, yeah, let's do it. She made me sign an exclusive uh, contract with her for two fucking years. And then uh, way above the sort of market norm, 20% she was taken from me. Okay. And the market norm is 10. And uh, from there, it was kind of simultaneous of like, I was making sure I made a Twitter. Well, I had my Twitter. It, it was always Brittany Broski. I made an Instagram that was Brittany Broski because my private Instagram is my real name. Like it's not, it's private. Um, I made uh, a Facebook page for Brittany Broski. And then of course I had my TikTok. So it was like, you need to be unilaterally across all platforms, posting different content. Then probably September, October, 2019, I made my YouTube channel. And that video immediately did well because people wanted to see more of me. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And so from there, it was like, I need to make sure that people are seeing that I can do accents, I can do characters, I can do impressions, I can do, you know, funny tweets, I can be funny in text format, long form and short form. And that was never this like, okay, how are we going to do it? It was like, I just did it because you had to. And with the promise of brand deal money coming in, babe, you have to, like you have to get those numbers up. You have to put content out. Meanwhile, you have all of the platforms telling you, you need to be posting uh, once a day, if not more. Uh, YouTube videos, once a week or maybe twice or three times a week. Uh, Instagram, you should be posting every day. You know, it's just like these stupid, not unsustainable, like honestly burnout numbers. You cannot post on every single platform more than one time a day. That's insane. I don't even post on Instagram more than like once a week. That's insane. So I, I was going and going and going. I was burning myself out and I was like, we have to do this. And then it all came to a head when um, the company that I signed with started stealing money from me, which was so fun. And I got into a lawsuit with them. And I was like, I moved to L.A. by that point. And it was like, what have I done? And little did I know everything was about to really begin. Yeah. But it was it was scary. And I, I do think that that's an unrealistic standard to set for content creators just to get eyes on your content. You know, it's like if the content's good – eyes will come. Yes, I agree with that. There's a lot to unpack with what you just yeah. said. Sorry um, for the, the yeah. mini no, monologue. No, 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 that's all right. <laughs> I, I want to go back to sort of the moment you decide to go full time. Yeah. Which I believe happens when you lose your job. You're working yeah. at a bank. Yeah. And essentially, you've kind of like lost control of your image because of this viral meme. Yeah. The bank is concerned. You lose your job. Yep. 
are you, can you bring us into that moment? And are you humiliated? <laughs> okay. But are hope you, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> humiliated and afraid of the next step in terms of career or like, I guess, were you happy at the bank? Was that a good life for you? Or did you, did you know you wanted to be creative and do something creative? I always had the sort of like undercurrent pulling me towards a creative life. But I was raised with a very strict military dad who was like, you need to have a plan B. And I never really took that leap to be like, when I turn 18, I'm auditioning for SNL. Also, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Being yeah, like, I'm yeah. just moving to New York. No, yeah. you're not, by the way. Yeah. Um, I never, you know, tried stand up. I never did any of those things. I was like, this is not a sustainable career. Even if I do you know, find success some, in like little comedy clubs in Dallas, that's not going to keep my lights on, you know, like I need a real job. So I just kind of let it die. I never really, uh, beside entertaining my friends and like having fun on the internet. No, it never, ever crossed my mind. And so when I got fired, I literally was like, I drove to Texas Roadhouse and I was like, you guys hiring? Like I fully was like, I'm going to do a service job until I get another corporate job. It never really crossed my mind to pursue this professionally until that first brand deal came in. And I was like, here we go. What That's was a, that? Was it a kombucha brand? It was GT Dave's kombucha. GT Dave. GT what Dave. a wild GT character. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so full circle too. And, and it was kind of like, I've had these moments along the way that's like, I know that was supposed to happen. Okay, I know this is supposed to happen. The reason I fucking tried kombucha in the first place is because of Cody Cohen and Noel. Because of that video yeah. they made. And I yeah. was like, I love them. Like they're my favorite creators. And so I, I out on a whim, bought it and did it. And that's kind of, and then I ended up, with GT Dave being the brand that I worked with, I got to meet Cody and all them eventually. And, and they followed me and it was like the happiest day of my life. It was like, this is so full circle. And then I went to a live show that Cody and Noel did in uh, Houston and uh, they shouted me out in the crowd. And I was like, no one's more famous than me. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> No cool. one's more famous yeah. than me. Actually. <laughs> um, How much yeah. was that first brand deal for? I think total, it was like, 5,000, but out of that came airfare, food, hotel. So I went home probably Plus with like- 20%. And then the 20% taken. Yeah. I came home with probably like 700 bucks and I was like- Yeah, was that, yeah. was that like a big, like $5,000 knowing that that was possible? Was that like- The most amount of money yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. my paychecks at the time were like 1,200. Right. You know, and it's like my rent was 1,200. So I got paid twice a month, immediately half of it's gone. So it was, it was yeah, making 40,000 a year a $5,000 brand deal, even if I didn't realize, you know, that's going to be sure. pennies in the bucket when you actually get that money. Also, when you get that money, right. 90 days, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. it's just, I was like, this is it. And so with what I was doing on the A side with the content and my management company was doing on the B side with the business, I was like, we got this, guys. And then it all went tits up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what was, I, I'm so curious, like one of the things that, a lot of creators, and we talked to Marquez Brownlee about this. Like he mm -hmm. said, the thing he's most grateful for is that he never had a viral video because in, in the beginning, like a big pop mm -hmm. viral video, because that can kind of color what your decision-making is. Absolutely. Like trying kombucha that could signal to you like, oh, I should just try things and be the girl who tries things. Absolutely. Did that cross your mind? And was that like, or what was the immediate next content strategy of like, yeah. does people know who I am? Yeah. It was a weird... Mm, sort of community that I had already built only on TikTok where people knew I'd had a couple videos go viral. Got it. 
the first one that actually went viral was a depression meal test where mm-hmm. I'm, I'm laying in bed and I so, made a depression yeah. meal of brown apples that had gone bad and then dry chocolate chips. Mm, yep. Yum. Mm-hmm. And I made that video of me just like laughing hysterically at how fucking ridiculous and miserable that meal was. And that went viral. And so all, I had a couple hits and then kombucha was the first one to make it off of the platform. So on TikTok, this really special thing was happening where people knew me already, not just from kombucha. If anything, they hadn't seen the video because that was on Twitter. And so from that, I did make my first YouTube video ever was uh, part two of trying kombucha. And then quickly I was like, we're not doing all this. That's not it. We're not doing that. Smart. Then I did a makeup tutorial. And that one went viral on YouTube. Really? Wow. So it was like, That's and it's wild. since been privated because I can't stand to watch it because right. uh, who the fuck uh, was that? Yeah, yeah mm. understood. That's, that's and, fair. Uh, it's just really, I don't know yeah. if y'all have that experience of where course. it's like oh, yeah. even we, three years ago. We've Definitely. been making YouTube videos together for 12 years. That's so insane. just, yeah, yeah, you can find some stuff that we're not proud of for <laughs> sure. Yeah, we haven't cleaned it all up. Yeah. I'm saying, I was like, I don't know what was going yeah. through my brain. And so I, I started diversifying the content and it really, really paid off. Interesting. And was that conversations with the, the management company or just, you just knew it? My management um, company sucked ass and balls. Yeah. They were bad. <laughs> I, everything <laughs> in my career creatively up until mid 2020 was me. And that's when I brought on my editor, who's my fucking saving grace, Stanley. And he shout literally, out shout, yeah, out shout, shout out Stanley. Stanley. And he was someone I followed on TikTok because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Like he was a film, a short film creator. And he was like in college at the time, just like a little 19 year old shithead. And I was like, he's so <laughs> funny and talented. We became friends and then he was in college and I was starting to make internet money. And I was like, how does 50 bucks sound to edit my video? And he was like, sounds like 50 free bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so sounds like there, 50 free bucks. Yes. Yeah. And so from there, we started working together and a lot of the pivotal moments in my career, I really can accredit to him. Like yeah. he's been such a saving grace for me. But up until then, yeah, it was all me. At know? that time that you're working with Stanley, are you in LA at that point yet? I moved to LA December, 2019. Okay. Yeah. Right before the, the panty hit. Right before. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Let's dig in a bit to um, the management company. Cause I'm curious, mm-hmm. like this moment of deciding to go all in, like, Sorry. You can just chuck it at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when Colin and I were first, like we had like very small amounts of traction on this channel Mm. and like ended up through outreach, uh, meeting with some agents. And I was like, this is our ticket. You know, like this is our ticket. If we can get them to to be into us and, and represent us, then that's what, like- Cause were you all making money before then? Not, I mean, we made money as like producers. We'd produce okay. things, uh, but not our own, like our own brand, not really. Yeah. Um, actually probably zero. Uh, so it was a passion project. It, it, it totally. was not, it, it was not branded as a passion project internally, but, <laughs> but the longer it went on that it wasn't making money externally, we were like, yeah, it's just for fun. We just make these YouTube yeah. videos for fun. Uh, you have to justify yeah, it. Yeah, you just have to <laughs> justify your actions. But it was strange because I, I I felt very validated by some of the viewership, even though it wasn't very high. Sure. So it's like, I feel like a professional at this. Right. Well, period. Right. Yeah, Although yeah. I am making no money. Right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. No. So the the, con- the connections to like agents almost to me felt like someone was reaching their hand down from like the cloud <laughs> of show business to be like, 100%. I'm picking yeah. you. You can come up with me. Well, even the word and, agent is like, right. My agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You think I'm fucking Tom Cruise, yeah. bitch? <laughs> and no. even one meeting, they start telling you who you are. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I guess. But you quickly, <laughs> all right, you, you've known. Yeah. You've yeah. always. And thank you for known. saying it. Yeah. Yes. 
but I think it's really important for, for young creators to recognize that like when an agent or manager signs you, they actually don't take on too much risk. Yeah. They, they almost take on zero yeah. outside of their time, uh, depending on how much time they do spend on you. Yeah. Um, because they're also kind of gauging different, they're making their bets on different yep. talent. And it's like, great, if Brittany Broski takes off, amazing. If she doesn't, no problem. No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. Yeah. And so that's a really important thing to know going into those relationships. And yep. I'm curious if you could pull out any other lessons from that experience for you of having, there's a ton of creators who have early traction, get emails, I'd love to represent you. Absolutely. It's a very, very predatory environment, especially today when, and, and I was lucky early on. I had um, a, a friend reach out not a friend. He was a, a journalist of all people. His name is Yashar Ali. And he reached out and he was like, I think you are so funny and so talented. And like, I think you should be represented by the right people. And I was like, who is this fucking dude? Like he had a check mark. So I was like, Oh my God, yeah. he's famous. <laughs> he was a journalist. And, uh, he has been my champion from, from very early on. And he kind of laid it out for me. What, the traditional landscape of Hollywood looks like, because how would we know that? You know, yeah. like how would I ever know that? Even as a fan of YouTubers or celebrities, I don't know the inner workings. Also, when like when did we become a part of Hollywood, right? Absolutely. There was kind of a moment in time where it was like, oh, I guess we're, we are entertainment. Yes. And it's probably the pandemic that, that flipped it that, absolutely right? was, but even before the pandemic, like UTA is the first, I mean, at the time, and still maybe today, their digital talent, you know, department was the best in the business and this and that. And they name dropped to me of like, we have Rhett and Link and we have this and all, you know. I was they like, didn't name drop us. And not at the wow. time, no, yeah, they yeah. did not. <laughs> we yeah. won't be having yeah. a word. <laughs> this was like 2019 though. Yeah, we, were, so, we weren't represented. No one was so. name dropping us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, yeah. so that was even more special to me of like, they have Rhett and Link. Yeah, like, that's cool. I loved Rhett and Link. I still do. And so that was part of the reason why I agreed to kind of take that totally. step. But Yashar really explained to me, like, here are the three big players, you know, CAA, WME, whatever. This is what an agent does. This is what a manager does. You need a lawyer. You need a business manager. Um, you need probably maybe a personal assistant. You need to buy this equipment. You need to whatever. And it, it was like, what have I gotten myself into? Mm -hmm. Like, this is a full-blown job. And I don't think I thought about it like that. And, and that's kind of the biggest, if I could give any tip yeah. or piece of advice is that this is a job. It's the most fun job you could ever have, but like you have responsibilities, you have people relying on you, you have a team around you. If you don't work, they don't work. If mm. you don't eat, they don't eat, you know? And that's a lot to have on you on top of keeping your millions of, of fans happy. And I know that sounds like, <laughs> let me play the fucking violin, but it's like, <laughs> it can get kind of a lot of pressure sometimes of if I'm not feeling funny or if I'm burnt out or if I'm tired or if I'm just like, you know, you can't be on all the time, especially when your job is to be a personality. I'm not like that all the time. I'm like that a lot of the time because <laughs> I have uh, probably undiagnosed ADHD, but <laughs> Lord knows. And so to take that of what you're known as online and like, try to apply that into a daily work schedule is crazy. Yeah, it's also, you're also like productizing it, right? And commodifying yeah. it, which Absolutely. is which is like, what? We will take this much of her creativity, yeah. Yeah. slot it right there. Yes. Yeah. Which and is what inevitably, like it's just this inevitable cycle of even what you were talking about of when did YouTube become this weird yeah. place of like sensationalized content? It's like, well, it was inevitable because it's mm -hmm. a commodified version of creativity. So at some point, as you're building your brand and you have more overhead, yeah. you're going to need to fit the thing you do. Everyone's going to go, do the thing you do. Yep. Here's some money. Do that thing. And you just push it and yeah. push it and push it until it gets yeah. 
to Sam Pepper, I kill my best friend prank. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. Maybe. Right. It's insane. But yeah, to the back to the agency stuff, yeah. that was very um UTA was legitimate and still is. Yeah. And the company I was we working share the with, same agents. Yes. Yeah, and we great. do. And, and we which love is them. Yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um wish I'd known that before I shot you a DM. Right. <laughs> 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 kind of humiliating on my part. Um, but it was it was this weird thing because I signed a UTA and I was also signed to this company who claimed to be managers and agents. Hey, that's kind of counterintuitive, right? right? Thing, yeah. And so they were fighting internally and I was just trying to make content. And I also am 22. I just turned 22 and I didn't know. I don't know anything. You know, I could barely do my taxes. And so they're fighting and, and there's tension and there's strife and, they don't know who should be like, they're securing me money, but also this other company's securing me money. And it's like, they're not communicating. And then I'm signing contracts and those aren't communicating. And mm. it's just like a legal nightmare. And uh, that's a lot jumping from like working at a bank to yeah. this, that world that fast is night and day is intense. Yeah, it was the beginning of my career with like the agency slash management company that was doing all that fuckery with my money. I had done $30,000 worth of brand deals. And then it sort of became this, like I was getting deal after deal after deal. And my manager just stopped responding. And she had signed so many people and everyone was leaving. And I was next. I was like, I don't want to stick around for this. Like she was so unprofessional and it was just not a good situation. And I was miserable in it. And I had just moved to LA with $5,000 in my pocket, first month's rent was 4,000 and it was like, here we go. So I was running out of money. I was in a state that quite frankly scared me. Like right before I left, everyone in my family was like, LA is one of the most dangerous cities in LA, in, in America. And I was like, oh, awesome, thanks for telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm stuck here. I had just moved with um, my roommate, Sarah Shower, who I met for the first day when we moved in. I did not meet her before that, which is a retrospectively crazy thing to do. Um, and so time was running out, money was running out, and then she wasn't responding. I had done $30,000 worth of brand deals with this company. And because it's an agency, they had the brand pay the company to take commission and then pay me. And on top of that, it's the fucking net 90, where from the moment they invoice, they have 90 days to pay me. That's three months. Yeah. So... I had done the brand deals in like September, October, and I still wasn't getting paid because it, it wasn't 90 days yet. And they send it by snail mail. Oh my God, <laughs> I could bitch for fucking hours about it. Um, all that was kind of coming to a head and she had all this money. And I hit her up and I'm like, where's my money? And she was like, I can't believe you're leaving me. Like you're this, you're that, whatever. Like this is just unbelievable. I ended up having to enter into a, an arbitration lawsuit with her. So basically she withheld the, she got paid. She got paid. And did not pay, did it, out not pay it out to you. Wow. And contacting the brands was futile because they had already paid the money. You yeah. know, they're not going to issue another check. It already cleared in her yeah. account. I find um, a lawyer who <laughs> the legal fees by the end of all of it were $30,000. And thank God by this point, UTA had stepped up. I was signing to a new management company. Um, someone was helping me kind of who was associated with the first company who he left to. Like all these things were happening where I was out 30K, which is insane. That's like, I've never in my life seen that much money. 
and she had stolen it from me. And in the meantime, UTA is getting me deals, but they're small and mm. they're few and far in between. And it's like, I'm earning that money back so I can still pay my rent. And those are TikTok. And, and deals. it's TikTok money. And um, I'm getting money so I can keep my lights on, whatever. But all the money that I'm earning is going to immediately rent and then to this fucking lawyer. Come to find out at the end of all of it, I've paid him almost. It was like 25K or something that I ended up paying him. He goes, she is completely broke. She spent all of your money. She has no assets that we can seize. She has no house. She has no car. She's sleeping on a friend's couch. She stole my money. She stole a bunch of other clients' money, and it's just gone. Wow. And he goes, uh, it's nothing I can do. And I said, ah. Oh, so you didn't even get the money to pay the legal fees. You just paid the legal fees out of pocket. I never got the money back. Oh, wow. So I was out 45, 50K by that point. Wow. And that was my first learning lesson of like- Welcome to Hollywood. Literally. <laughs> like, oh shit, girl, they don't care if I live or die. Yeah. And then UTA was just a saving grace because that's when the pandemic hit and we were all stuck inside. And then it was like the deals just kept coming because all these companies were having, they were being forced yeah. to, you know, correct course to digital advertising. And hey, I got a big billboard right here on the big forehead. <laughs> so it was like this yeah. influx of, I felt like it was the universe being like, you learned your lesson. Be careful who you align with. Be careful who you trust. Be careful how you're spending your money, you know, because I out the gate was like, yeah, I want the best lawyer. And right. I got him. And then he came back and was like, nothing I can do. Yeah. And I was oh, like, man. facts, right. right. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Loving that. So it sucked. And thank God nothing like that has happened since because I learned my lesson. But that is um, I've talked to a few creators who a similar thing has happened to them. Right. And either through NDA or through whatever, they can't talk about it. I never signed a fucking NDA, yeah. you know, and I don't want to give her airtime of, of the company or what her name was. But like it sucked. It sucked because I was so excited about Hollywood and moving here and doing this as a job. And then to have that kind of the air sucked out of me immediately was like, do I even want to do this? Yeah. Hmm. Like, are these the players in my life that I really want to engage with for the rest of time? Yeah. There was a moment then where I was like, I, I would rather be working at the fucking bank. I was so miserable. Um, but then the pandemic hit and it was like, I was also miserable then, but it was like <laughs> a different sort of, okay, things are working. Things are kind of yeah. moving. Um, and then to get to where I am now is like, I don't think I would be as successful if that hadn't happened, yeah. which is unfortunate. It, it's, you're lucky it happened early. In your Absolutely. Career, really early. So that's yeah. like, and and you're lucky that this is going to sound, uh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to sound coming out, but you're lucky it was only, you know, $30,000, $40,000. Right. Right. Like well, in the grand scheme of things, it's yeah. like, I look back and I'm still like, oh. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of money. It, yes. It's your whole salary at the bank. But, yes. But in the context of how big you've become now and like what, what that means in the context of the business of Brittany Broski. Yeah. It's like, it's a worthy lesson yeah. to invest in that lesson that much. Versus if that's now, how much it costs for that lesson, yeah. that's good. And, and it made on. you yeah. perhaps more concerned with creating stable ground yeah. to create Absolutely. from. And now we get to Absolutely. tell the story so other people can be careful. Yeah. Because they, it, it is something you have to be very careful with. Well, and it's the, it's the risk you run of signing with these no-name companies that are like, they're over-promising and under-delivering and yeah. they have no real credits. They yeah. have no real connections. They're actually leaning on you as the creator to work <laughs> your connections with the app and with other creators and yeah. with brands. They're meeting brands through you. Yes. Because they're reaching out about That's you. That's exactly yeah. what, the, what yeah. it turned into with this woman. Right. It was like, she was having me DM brands to be like, right. would you want to work with right. me? <laughs> Bitch, I can do that on my own. Why are you taking 10% <laughs> from me? And there was a moment in time where this company God, and I know she's kicking herself. This company and like 
October, September of 2019 had Charlie D'Amelio, Dixie, Addison Ray, me, the Lopez brothers, if you remember them, yeah. they were TikTokers, all of these superstar TikTokers, and then lost it all. Wow. Because she was so unprofessional. And so she was in over her head. And I think that that is, um, it's deserved and it's karma. You know, if you're going to fuck over all those young, young, ambitious people for money, it's like, I don't, I don't really, yeah. So uh, UTA really saved me in that. I think it can be confusing sometimes who has the leverage in that relationship yeah. when you're young and it's early. Yeah. Because again, they're coming to you and saying, I can build you a career. Right. Right. And I can get you, the, and then they do get you a deal and you're like, oh, okay. So they're, they've now, like my, this person has become my ticket mm -hmm. to making money. But that's not and, true. And, but it's actually not true. No. And, and you have to continuously recognize that you are the boss and they work for you. Period. They're doing a service for you. You're the money maker. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you also, if you're a creative, you don't want to be a boss. Yep. You're like, just take care of me. Period. Right? And so it, it's this weird ba balance that you have to figure out of like, it, they work for me, but I also don't really like confrontation. Exactly. I don't want to talk about business and with I'm, them. I'm a people pleaser, yeah. so I don't want to yeah. ever have anyone I'm be mad like, at me. I'm a funny person. I just go and be funny and make people laugh. Like, I don't want to be in a Zoom arguing about commission rates. Exactly. Or like, <laughs> like, that's yeah. crazy. And, yeah. and I actually don't know how that gets solved because now the amount of independent creators there are, we we have to play that role. You don't have a choice, yes. right? Unless you have your brother next to you or your cousin, like someone you can really trust who's like, and that even sometimes doesn't work. No, working with family mm -hmm. and friends is yeah. the, it's the opposite of what you so should do. Finding quality representation is a huge unlock it's hard. because it, it obviously brings you great deals. Yeah. Um, but it also, the most important thing is you just want to feel safe. Yeah. Like I, I just want to feel that while I'm here creating this show, no one's taking advantage of you. Exactly. You know, you just want to feel safe. Like these people you can trust, they're working on your business. And also there's a clear, clear professional relationship right. where it's like, what happened with you? The, the thing that we always say is you don't ever want to be anyone's biggest anything, mm -hmm. right? Like you don't want to be and a, I was. a brand's biggest spend. I actually don't really want to be an agency's biggest talent. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't want anyone to, to have that imbalance with my creative work. That's what ended up happening is all these, the talent left this company and I was the only one left and she was using my name to sign people. And it's like, that is scary. First scary. of all, yeah. I'm your most famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's upsetting. Yeah. But on top of that, yeah, it's like, I'm not your fucking bargaining power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, like, don't, you don't want the stakes to be so high for them that like that, that 10 or 20% that they make off of you is their, well, like they're yes. just, that's what, how they live. Yeah. Then it's mm -hmm. like, it becomes, how are they going to guide you in a direction of being like, this is good for your brand. Yes. It's going to be, Hey, I need that 10%. Exactly. Um, they, so yeah, they can't give sound, um, and, and fair advice yeah. when you are keeping their lights on quite literally, when you have not diversified your streams of revenue mm -hmm. where I am your sole moneymaker, yeah. that's crazy. I'm not a cash cow girl. I, I actually think representation and, and operational support is what will hold back the concept of the creator middle class. Like mm. the, the, the group that is like talented and trying to, to build it into something bigger, I think there's there's limited quality management or representation I 100 to, to support that group right now. And how sad is it too? I think about this all the time of so many waves of funny, talented TikTokers with potential who could do what I've managed to do and what so many other people have managed to do who just had that roadblock. Mm -hmm. They just sure. did not have the right people managing them and it went tits up and then people forgot about them. Yeah. How sad is that? 
Yeah. And it's like, how do you fix it? Yeah. I don't know how to so, fix it. Do you think that's a timing thing too for some of these TikTok creators that mm -hmm. like TikTok changed? Yeah. And the ability to even transfer to long form is not there like it maybe was. Like I, I think we talk a lot about TikTok creators and how a lot of times mm -hmm. on TikTok, TikTok is the creator. You're not necessarily always the creator. Like the for you page is the star of that platform. Yeah, you mean and like you're a slave to the algorithm? Just sort like of thing? they will drop in people. Like you decide you're good. Mm. Like TikTok's still TikTok. Like they're still going. Yeah, you yeah. open the app and you're leaning back. Right. You're just like, show me what's what's fun today. What's but if funny? I'm yeah. like a Broski Report fan, right? They you take away Broski Report, it's like, no, that's my that's my everything. Yeah. Sure. And you've managed to sort of create that with a large group of people, but it feels like it's hard. And it has been hard for TikTok creators to make that transition. I think that the core factor, like the key factor in all of this is community. And if you have built a community around yourself, your content, your ideals, your philosophy, people will follow you wherever you go. Long form content, people actually are craving it now. I mean, even TikTok introducing a three minute, 10 minute, 30 minute feature mm -hmm. proves that, you know, like, People are willing to sit there and watch a longer form video if it's compelling and if you're entertaining. I don't know if it's just that TikTok is so oversaturated with creators now. Like I said earlier, like I was right place, right time where there were so few creators and it was easier to become a top performer on the app because there was only like 20 really famous creators. Now it's like everyone and their mother wants to be a TikToker and it really takes... <laughs> Uh, ambition and commitment to, I, th I think the the true key to success is moving off of TikTok. You have to move off of TikTok. You can start there, build your community, but people will go back to YouTube, to your subscription, you know, list mm. to make sure they're watching everything you're putting out. On TikTok, it's easy to watch one video and then you don't see that person for three months. Yeah. yeah. You forget they even exist. On YouTube with s subscribers and with notifications, I'm watching every new video Cody Co puts out. You know, yeah. On TikTok, I don't follow Cody on TikTok. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a thumbnail. Yeah. Wow. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, but like I don't. I'm not yeah. watching Cody Ko's so, TikToks. I'm watching his YouTube videos because that's where I engage with his content the best. Yeah. And I think that that is what a lot of people miss is that you can be funny and entertaining and pee pee poo poo ha ha, but it's not. It means nothing if people are not sitting down and choosing to watch your video, mm. not being a slave to the algorithm. Yeah. So, so how, how'd you do that? Because that that is probably the number one question we get from yeah. right now. There's a lot of, especially even with YouTube shorts, there's a lot mm. of creators who blow up on shorts and then they try crazy. and transition to long form and they struggle with it. That's so crazy. how do you, how did you go about doing that of saying, I got short form content down. People love me there. Yeah. You know, how are they going to watch 50 minutes of me? They're going to watch 20 minutes of me. Right. How do you do that? It was twofold with me making the kombucha taste test part two on YouTube where I knew people wanted to see more of it. And so I gave them more of it. And then right after that, immediately transitioning to doing a beauty video, you know, like doing nothing even in the scope of what the kombucha taste test was. If I can make Jim Carrey faces do you all day long, but like, look at me being me, of me doing my makeup or me, you know, like self tanning or, or just kind of the, the joyous mistakes of being a young 20 something year old woman. Because that in itself is such a relatable thing. And I didn't, I wasn't doing it with the intent of like, this is going to get views. It was like, I genuinely was trying to self tan and it didn't work. And so, so many people can relate to that in, in a sense. And, and 
it just hit where it needed mm. to. So I think that that was, it's a twofold thing of, I did it very early on and I gave them a little bit of what they wanted and then something completely different that I, they didn't know they wanted, but I knew they wanted it. Do you think the people <laughs> who are making TikToks and shorts right now have the same, have the skill set required to no. make? So, yeah. What, Some. Like, how do you know if you have that? Like, I, I find that to be the most interesting right now. So there's this influx of creators who are millions of subscribers, but it's mm -hmm. built on, on shorts. So how did, like, what happens next? Well, they fall off, period, point blank, they fall off. Like you can have a moment's success, you can be like the it girl, you can be whatever, but if those skills are not transferable, if you can't make branded content with those skills, if you can't translate that to a long form, successful YouTube channel where it's just you, it's gonna end. Yeah. You know, that's not, there's no longevity in that. And TikTok is really bad about that. There are so many creators that have come and gone and whether it's due to cancellation, which we haven't even touched on, whether it's due to cancellation or, you know, you find one thing that they did wrong and maybe it's a really bad thing, they're gone. Like they are forever cast exiled out of mind and their career's over. Or it's like, oh, I used to follow her. What happened to her? Which is scarier, mm -hmm. I think, because it's like, you just kind of lost people's attention. And that is like, were you too boring? Were you not pivoting your content? Were you not like, you know, staying with the trends? Were you, it's just so many factors that can lead to people having a failed TikTok career. And yeah. what sucks is that there's room for everyone. You yeah. know, there's plenty of money to go around. There's plenty of people to watch. And there's so many niches that succeed in different ways for different reasons. But I don't know. I think the simple answer is if you don't got it, you don't got it. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't got it, you don't get it. And take me through the process of writing the the concepts. Is it just like, here's a concept, turn the camera on, I'm just going to do it, and then we'll find it in the edit? Mm. Or are you writing why it's funny or like the bits before the videos? Before I got fired uh, in my off time, because I was bored to tears at work, I literally would organize paper clips by size and color. Like my boss didn't give me anything to do. And I was like trying to make myself look busy. So I was like, you know, <laughs> notes in my, scribing notes yeah. in my Mickey Mouse journal. And uh, I was writing down YouTube video ideas. And that was a lot of them. You know, it was like doing a makeup tutorial or um, I did one where uh, I tried like Emma Chamberlain's coffee. And then I did another one where, God, that was so long ago. I can't even remember what the early videos were. So it's just idea. Were. Not it just like, ideas. it's just idea. It's not like, here's, it was titles. The, here's the beats. Like no. you're writing titles. Mm -hmm. No beats. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. But I do that now. You do that now. I do acts now. It was so funny when you said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's kind of, again, not to break the fourth wall. But you're doing it. But, yeah. uh, but I will. Yeah. And I'll look <laughs> right. into the cameras yeah. and do, do it. it. Break it. Um, there's a sort of act structure to what y'all do. And I've sort of introduced that to my videos as well. Yeah. Of You have to make sure that there's a hook where people will watch. There's the meat of the content. And then what's going to make them stay to the very end of the video? You know, there has to be something that's always... Um, changing and like, well, what's she doing now? That sort of thing. Mm. Cause if it's 40 minutes of me reacting to TikToks, people are going to click off at a certain point, even if it's a funny video. And I know people are going to click off regardless, but now there is more thought that goes into what I do now because I personally and Stanley kind of in my ear, we want to polish and elevate our content. We've been doing this for so fucking long now, three years. But I mean, even then it's like, there's a point where I can't just get away with setting up my iPhone on horizontal and being like, what's up guys? We're, today we're going to, you know, it's yeah. like, I owe my audience a bit more than that. So I think that's the shift. But in the early days, I would write down titles and I would film. 
Can you bring us through an example of a recent video? Like we told you on the pre-call that we love the propaganda video. Yeah. Like what's the act one, act two, act three there? That video I'm very, very, very proud of because I do a series on my YouTube channel where I do art, art history. Mm -hmm. I talk about art history because I, I love it. And um, the structure there is I write an essay, essentially, and I do my research and I structure it in a way that is, let me give you the historical background because to understand art history, you have to understand real history because art history is the pulse of humanity through history. What was art? before the war and how did it deeply and psychologically affect an entire generation of people. And so I do that. I give you a little history lesson. I pick five or six works that I really want to dive into. And then at the end, I kind of give a conclusion of what this time period of art means going forward and how this time period of art affected the next time period of art. It's, it's, through and through, it's just an essay. It really is a video essay that I type it up and I cite my sources and I literally MLA format and then I film it. So it's fun for me because it's an exercise in learning and it's an exercise in teaching, which I think the best way to learn is to teach it. And I get so many nice comments that are like, you made me give a fuck about this that I never, yeah. ever would have given a fuck about, mm -hmm. you know, American U.S. history propaganda in World War One. Who fucking cares? And then it's like, oh, I care maybe. Yeah. And then also to take that and see how it permeates even today is really interesting. So, yeah, that's kind of the structure that I do most art history videos with. What's the common thread between, you know, watching your favorite TikToks and a 22-minute video essay <laughs> on art as propaganda in World War One? The thread is I care about both. Mm. And a very dangerous thing that happens for not only just creators in general, but for women online is you get pigeonholed into doing one thing. And as a woman, I'm not just one thing. As a creator, I'm not just one thing. As a human, I'm not just one thing. I'm a very multifaceted, intelligent, culturally aware person. And it's a backhanded compliment when people tell me that, you know, oh, you're actually smart. You're actually this. That's so fucking rude, maybe. Yeah. Where it's like, we've been so spoiled by these creators being this one thing and giving you one version of themselves constantly. And then they get to kind of save their real lives and their real personalities for, you know, their real life. I didn't really give myself that privilege. From the beginning, I've kind of been like, here's me and I'm gonna lay it out on the table. And that really, really connects with people. But at times it's like, fuck me, why did I do that? Why did I do that? Yeah, what, are the, what are the downsides of that? There's no, yeah. I have nothing left for myself. I have shared every single part of me with the internet and there's not anything that's kind of left for me. Um, you gotta go into some research and development for what else you could be now. Yeah, <laughs> literally. It's you gotta pick up like, some new hobbies or something. I'm yeah. telling you, it's, it's <laughs> like, I, I, I don't even know yeah. where to go is, from there. Is that something that like, are you at the point where during the days you're like, Hmm. Like whatever you're doing in your life, you're like, this would make a funny X. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Sucks. Yeah. yeah that's are you, are you like, I'm moment. being me or I'm, I'm doing me. Like when you're, does that make sense? Yeah. You're feeling like? Yeah. Um, I feel, I feel both at, at different, different times. times yeah. yeah. Like when I'm on the podcast, I'm being me to be able to talk for 50 minutes. I'm being me, but yeah, when I'm reacting to something or if I'm whatever, that is a sort of level of like, I'm kind of enhancing this, but it works for the format that I'm doing. You know, yeah. like if I was just to be like, 
at TikToks, that's not an entertaining video. So you have to make it entertaining. And I know how to do that. And I have fun doing that. But it is kind of draining. Um, that's why I also want to make sure that I balance that with enough videos of me being serious and insightful and, you know, where people are, don't expect that from me all the time. But it's a difficult balance. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you're kind of showing your range in a, yeah. in a lot of different ways. Not not only as a human, but as a performer. Absolutely. Like that, the, the videos that I watch across your different platforms, it's like, there's a lot of range. And I think that's, that's like a very important thing because especially through TikTok, mm -hmm. like a lot of people just get known for a thing and Absolutely. then they're just that thing. And I, that's, a, that's a fear for I, sure. A lot yes. of the advice that sometimes we probably give and that we get as creators is to be one thing. That's that like crazy. a brand, like a brand right. is one thing consistently. And I think when I watched your propaganda video, it was very energizing for me to be like, wow, we have even stuck ourselves in just being wow. like the YouTube creator guys. Right. Right. But we have so many other interests and things that like we desire to talk about. Like I made you an iced tea right before this. You and see? you did. Yeah. And it was delicious. Samir can make iced tea. I can tea. make iced tea. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Chef channel yeah, coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we? But I think, but I just want to say that like, I do, I do think it's important for creators to see the range that you have and understand that it is available to you. Absolutely. And it's actually a uniquely digital privilege. Like I in agree. traditional media, yeah. you're not going to always get the opportunity. I agree. To show all that range. Yes. And when you do, you get to be very selective about when and where you show yeah. it versus for me, don't really have that, you know, like I want to make sure that I'm showing that always. Um, I think it's also a, a very, very interesting and culturally relevant conversation to have at the end of Barbie summer, you know, where the Barbie movie really highlighted everything a woman can be. And you don't have to just be that. Like, you're everything. And you can experience and display the full range of human emotion and skill and, and like, the experience. You don't have to be just one thing. And so I think me doing that and me doing the podcast and me doing Royal Court and me doing, you know, the art history videos and all that. It's like I want to show my very impressionable young audience, young, they're in college, but still, like, this audience that is trying to figure out who they are and mm. what they want to do and, and you know, some people really, really struggle with mental illness and, and not wanting to be here. And it's like, if I can just show you that life is such a precious and joyous and beautiful thing, and I love living life, and here's all the things you can do with your life, that is enough to make all the shitty moments <laughs> of this job, and there's a lot uh, worth it. Hmm. Because that's a joy that I can't really put into words, that I'm I can help women or anyone, mm. you know, sort of find that, that joy. So I think that's a very special thing that it, it's a digital privilege because actors, yeah. musicians, you can do that through the art you make, but I wouldn't consider what I do art, you know, it's yeah. just kind of, it's stuff and people really love the stuff. I think as a creator, it's like easy to fall into that trap of believing that connections are made on the fringes. That mm. Like you'll get the best fan base if you're all the way on the left or if you're all the way on the right. Period. But like personally for me, I love like the gray areas. Like the yeah. things that are in the middle are the things that I love the most when I find out about artists or musicians who actually also like something I like. Exactly. You know? Exactly, exactly. It is scary when you productize yourself though because then people want that product. Exactly. Um, and when you said like, because y'all are a brand. Yeah. I'm a brand in a certain sense because they tell us to be. Because it has to be something you can sell and monetize and get funding for what mm -hmm. you actually want to mm -hmm. do. But yeah, I think that's a very, it's a delicate balance because you can be a brand in the sense that that is 
the quality of things you want to make, you know, a certain maybe aesthetic that you are. But I don't think that should define what content you make. I think if y'all want to do something else, I would be waiting on the edge of my seat to see what else you would do, you know? Well, keep waiting. Well, yeah, we're gonna, so I, we haven't figured it out. Yeah, I'll yeah, be yeah. in the waiting room. Yeah. <laughs> Just hang out here. We'll yeah. make you more iced tea. <laughs> you got more iced tea? Yeah. Anytime now. Yeah, I, I uh, think that's, it's a very, people don't explore that enough. You yeah. get so comfortable being in the brand that you made. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? I want to talk about your different formats. Okay. You know, like Royal Court and Broski Report specifically, I think are kind of like the two main branded formats. And yeah. then obviously you have YouTube videos and, and, and TikToks. Yeah. Um, can you talk through like format creation? And because mm. you go from writing YouTube title ideas to now you have formats that are brands in themselves. Yeah. So did you go pen to paper and be like, here's a bunch of concepts. I like these two, or are these just like, like how are, how do you make that decision to announce like, I'm making a show called Royal Court mm-hmm. and here's the thing I'm doing. Cause sometimes that can be scary cause you might Definitely. fall out of love with it. Right. At some point or yeah. So how, how do you go about thinking of format creation? Shit. How much time do you have? <laughs> um, well, Royal Court is my uh, medieval themed celebrity talk show for, for those that don't know. And um, I knew probably from like, we started working on Royal Court about a year and a half ago. And I was like, I want Who's hot we? ones. Is it you and Stanley? It's me and Stanley. And, uh, cause I was, I would talk his ear off about like, I want to do a, a hot ones. I don't want to like, I would love to be on hot ones, but like Sean Evans and the first we feast team has, it's a nugget of gold, bitch. Mm-hmm. Hot ones is so simple, yeah. but it is so smart. Yeah. Chicken shop date with Amelia. The same. It's so simple. Taking celebrities on a date, that is so funny. Mm-hmm. It's so smart. She's able to be herself with that witty, flirty, dry British banter. And with Sean Evans, he really locks into that. You know, like what y'all do of being like so beautifully prepared for the guest and um, and letting that kind of be the accelerator of the whole interview. And that's like, it's so smart. And I was like, what can we do where I have that sort of press stop that these creators have managed to, to create? And it legitimizes YouTube in a sense too, where like people are now going on late night, you know, SNL, hot ones. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. It's a YouTube show. That's crazy. Yeah. So how do we sort of enter Brittany Broski into the press junket that these people will, will go on the press tour? And so Stanley and I sat down and he was like, well, what do you like? And I was like, Game of Thrones, <laughs> House of the Dragon, <laughs> Medieval Times. I love the dinner tournament theater, Medieval Times. And did they have those in Texas? Yeah, there's one in Dallas. I went every birthday. It's yeah, I so went fun. a ton when I was a kid. I loved it's medieval so times. It's, and there's one here. You had like a big turkey leg. Yes. Yeah, it was a great <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. dragon's yeah, blood yeah. soup, <laughs> tomato soup. Yeah. It's so smart. It's so yeah. fun. And it's this uh, escape into whimsy that mm-hmm. I think is so ridiculous and so uh, needed. It's why it's so fun. It's because it's so ridiculous. So I was like, how do we incorporate that and all the things I love about fantasy novels and Game of Thrones and whatever, and we make, you know, Post Malone do that? How do we make Jack Harlow do that? How do we make, you know, whatever? And so we kind of went to the drawing board and and we wrote down what is the structure? And at first we went through a bunch of different ideas and they were all ass of like, is it an advice column? Is it, you know, a QA? and a Is it sort of this like, I'm not asking real questions. It's just hypothetical questions. And we filmed a pilot and it was bad. And then we filmed another pilot and it was fantastic. And we started working with writers. And uh, Interesting. How, like how many writers? Like Two. And their twins, their names are Annabelle and Sabina Metzke. 
and they're uh, comedians in New York. And it was a connection through my management company. She was like, my manager was like, I think you'd like these girls. And I was new like, new management company, new ma- the legitimate management company mm-hmm. okay. through that I found through UTA and um, biggest blessing of my life. And she was like, I rep these girls and they, I think y'all are very similar. And we got on a zoom call and it was love at first sight. I mean, it was like the same sense of humor. It's that type of wit that like will piss you off. Mm. They're so quick. It's like, I'm keeping up with you, but I'm getting nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for me, that's Link. Link when I, is so yeah, good. I think Link really? is. I mean, yeah. Rhett too, but Link recently at the streamies was just like so dialed in they're and just so funny. Dude. They're so quick. Yes. Yeah, it like bothers me <laughs> because I know I'll never be it. You know, I like listen to them talk and I'm like, God, you guys. It, yeah. It's magic. They've yeah. got magic. They've got magic. The the twins that I work with are that, and because they're twins too, it's like they're on the mm. same brainwave, and they're they're firing on all cylinders, and <laughs> I'm also firing on all cylinders. But it's like they're so funny, it's so fun, and it's a challenge as a comedian too to be like, I, I can match you, and we're making each other better. And so I was like, they're gonna write on the show. Period. They write along with us. Um, it's it's guest centric, so we'll write for the guests. We had Orville Peck as the first guest who's a friend of mine. And so I was kind of giving them information. We did a pre-interview with Orville and then we write the script based on that. And it's bit based. It's like segment based. And uh, the set's ridiculous. It's all covered in jewels and coins and dragons and we have thrones and it's, and I make them wear a cape. And it's just, I want them to escape into that ridiculous setting and really just have fun with it because interviews can be so fucking boring. I want them to have fun. Yeah. And, uh, that was kind of the format for that is I knew I wanted to do a hot ones. And so I hope that this will become, uh, you know, in six to 12 months, something that people are like, how do I get on Royal court? And I think it's already, we have incoming requests, which is since cool. we have two episodes mm, out. That's awesome. So it's like, it's such a, it's exactly what I wanted it to be. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here. But that contrasted with the brochure part. I literally, went to my manager and I was like, I want to make a podcast where I just talk to the wall. And she was like, let's do it. And that's what it is. They were yeah. like, do you need a producer? Nope. Do you need someone to help? Nope. I was like, I'm just going to type up bullet points of what I want to talk about because I could talk to the wall for an hour. So what, what's the difference between that and the YouTube video where you're talking about something? To the wall interested? for an hour? Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> for lesser amounts of time. 25 minutes. Yeah. And, and more edited. Um, yeah. The difference is YouTube videos have more structure and more effort and more time. Mm. Uh, I can go into the podcast studio is in my house. So I literally just go to my guest bedroom, hit record, and I, I do the thing, and then I send the files off. But with the YouTube video, Stanley and I are like pouring over ideas and how do we do something that is both on brand for me, but also kind of shifting the narrative a little bit, you know? And, and he has really, I mean, his editing is as important to the art history videos as my words are, you know, like Mm -hmm. him editing it. Like it's literally an art history documentary on BBC. Like it's, he's Mm -hmm. so good at what he does and he makes it feel professional and academic um, while I kind of bring the humor into it. And so we do that for all of them. I mean, even like reacting to my favorite TikToks to I'm trying to think like I do beauty videos. I do makeup and like hair stuff. Like I just really want to show the range, but it takes so much fucking prep and I find myself sometimes not with dread, but it's like I procrastinate because I know a YouTube video is going to take a lot of time versus a podcast episode. It's like, I can go do that in 45 minutes. So it's, it's very different. And is it though, pretty close to what you recorded in 45 minutes is that's going out or how much of it is cut? Of the podcast? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like the along. simplest format. And this, yeah. this like, and it only relies on you, which is amazing. Right. It's not mm-hmm. guest based. No. This, this like single person podcast, I feel like is so it's impressive to me. Like mm-hmm. Emma really? with anything goes. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's so impressive to me that she can just riff like that or yeah. just hit those beats. Um, you call her daddy did it a bunch, Absolutely. you know, early on. Alex Cooper's great at the single yeah. person recount of an evening or, yeah. Um, yeah, I find that to be, I think that it sounds like one of the harder things in, I mean, in content. If you're entertaining, you're entertaining, you yeah. know, like it's, it's hard if you're scrambling for things to talk about, you know, right. it's like also the beauty of broski nation that rides for me is they have such an intense and sometimes scary parasocial relationship with me mm-hmm. <laughs> where I'm like their best friend. I'm their older sister. I could be talking about literally the contents of my diarrhea and they'd be like, she's so funny. <laughs> you know, like I could be dissecting each bowel movement and they'd be like, I look forward to this every Tuesday. Yeah. Like I need this. I would die without this podcast. <laughs> and so I, I am so thankful for that. That's why it's difficult to explain what you do. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. so hard yeah. because uh, I'm humiliated. You when did I have say to that on Good Morning it. America though. They were like, they were like what, do you, what, what do you like? What talk about? You were like, about? You're like, it's kind of like pee-pee and poo-poo. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. Occasionally poo-poo. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're like, sure, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. They're like, what did we? Yeah. The dude, oh my God, the audio dude in the back cracking us. Yeah, that? that was so good. 50 year old man, yeah. I tickled him. <laughs> tickled his funny bone. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a big, when the content in my eyes may fail, you know, I'm like, that wasn't a funny episode. That wasn't whatever. It's the bond I have with the audience that will always prevail, which is so, I'm so blessed. That was poetic. That rhyme was. Thank yeah. you so yeah. much. Yeah, that was great. Wow. But yeah, the, the craft also, like a large part of the craft is the relationship. 100%. Right? It's, the, it's, it's building and sustaining a community of highly engaged fans. Absolutely. Right, that is like, that is the craft that we're doing. It's almost like, you have this ball that's in the air and you don't want to let it touch the ground, yeah. right? You just kind of like keep hitting it with something else to just make sure it stays yeah. up in the air. Um, but yeah, I can imagine that gets exhausting too. It does, but it's more fun than anything. Yeah. You know, it, it gets exhausting when I'm on top of the content load that I am committed to take on other things like a hosting gig sure. or I do college shows sometimes. I'll fly mm-hmm. to the middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania to do a college show. And then my flight gets delayed and then right. I'm stuck. You mm-hmm. know, it's like that shit where I get home and everyone's like, okay, you need to do this brand deal. You need to do whatever. It's yeah. like, I don't want to do this. And I don't like doing this job sometimes. Yeah. But then, and, and also you're not really allowed to schedule in a week of vacation. You can't do that. What? If you miss content or you miss, I'm on a contract with my uh, podcast network. You know, right. if I skip a week, I get in trouble. So I don't know. It's very unsustainable. Hmm. Right now. Right now. Yeah. I was thinking about that this week because, uh, not to bring too much behind the curtain, but Samir was sick last week and leading up. Out to, of commission. And you don't. I was out of commission. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, you get like a day. Yeah. Max, sure, maybe. Like max. max, like yeah. maybe a day. And then once Monday hits or something, you kind of got to come back. Yeah. And we've yeah. both been through that. Where luckily there's two of us, so sometimes like the other one can step in. But it really is the reality of being a creator, especially like you running your own production company, multiple Crazy. formats. You're traveling around the country. Yeah. You got to be there. Like I think it's you, you also get booked. Exactly. Like if you if you start getting a lot of traction. Yeah. Like the inbound starts coming in, and you book out. You know, a couple months, mm-hmm. and you're kind of booked. So, like, yeah, if something like this happens where I got sick last week, I, I knew also that I was like, I have one day to get better. That's you know, like that's it. And then, uh, it w- even with that one day, we're delayed on stuff. Right. Right. And we kind of have to. All of a sudden, our schedule is like kind of in flux because of that. Yeah. Day. Um, 
So I, I, I was curious about like when you, you didn't, you, you've said a few times you didn't want to do this, right? <laughs> no, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did no. not. <laughs> but like when I think about that and I think about the fact that correct me if I'm wrong, but you were relatively content in the bank job, right? I was content in the sense that I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. And then at 50, so, I'm going to get a heart attack and die. <laughs> you know, like if you call that content. But, yeah. If that's the American dream. Yeah. <laughs> but like what, when you stepped into becoming a true, like full-time creator, what did making it look like to you? Was there like, oh, if I just get to this much money or this much of an audience, mm. then I'm good. I'm happy. Or has that just been like, is it ever expanding because the opportunities yeah, are ever expanding? It's ever expanding, which I think is I, good. I mean, it's just creating new goals, you know, new yeah. goal posts. And when you surpass that, it's like, all right, on to the next one. It's changed already so much in the three, four years I've done it. And the first one I remember on TikTok was like, when I hit 1 million, I'll have made it. Yeah. And then I hit a million and it was like, no, oh, it's no different. Yeah, it's oh, just okay. Tuesday morning. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. two million. Yeah. And then you hit two million and then it's like, oh, five million. And then for a while after five, I was like, all right, 10 million. And then I never hit 10 million. And I was like, that's probably for the best. Yeah, TikTok's not fine. like yeah. dead. You can still do it. Yeah, you can still do it. It's just like, I don't, I feel like I'm not really seeking community on TikTok anymore. Sure, sure. I've found my community. And what's going to push me over the edge into, you know, maybe that 10 million category, I, I would, I celebrate my successes on YouTube so much more intensely than on TikTok. TikTok is very easy. It's very fleeting as well. When I got my million plaque on YouTube, I don't know if y'all felt this way oh, too. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. It was like, bitch, I did that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's such a, a, I never thought. And it was like, that was never even a goal of mine. And I, I managed to do it. And I'll continue to mention Cody Co as I always do. He's kind of been my my model of how do you do this successfully? They went, I mean, TMG went from they were coworkers to they filmed in that shitty tiny little studio to what they have now is like really impressive. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. really inspiring. Cody's and output. I, I would say Cody's you're an insane person. You're comparable to Cody when it comes to like Output, right? Like he's crazy. The amount I'll of cry. videos that you're putting out, and wow, and also you can feel the inspiration on your channel, yeah, from Cody, right? Like, yeah. but it's not everyone can do that. Not everyone can react, like bring us into a room and react in a way yeah. that feels so like you're you're a friend, right? You know, right? Like, it, like when you're watching Cody and Noel, especially in their early days, it's like you're just hanging out. You're mm -hmm. the third person in Absolutely. the room, and that's what's fun. Yes. and um, to bring that level of like presence into a, into an experience like that is very hard. It's, it's special. Yeah. It's a special thing to have with your audience. And I mean, learn from the best. And I think that Rhett and Link kind of inspired me in a certain sense of you can be as ridiculous as you want with the content, like the sky's the limit when mm -hmm. it comes to a type of content and what you can do. It doesn't all have to be just reacting or like, okay, today I'm going to be doing this makeup tutorial. It's like, you can do whatever you want. But with Cody and Noel, it's like, yeah, seeing them slowly polish and polish and polish and building their team around them and elevating and just, it's so inspiring to me. And uh, I hate to bring it up, but it sucks that there's not been a woman that has done that. Yeah. And if that's sort of the baton I have to take on 
I'm willing to do it, but it's you really just unfortunate. You where the baton could go. No, I was like, uh. <laughs> my fucking leg got caught. Uh. It was pinching me. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, baton, like, did you bring a baton? <laughs> That's the baton. My yeah. torch under yeah. the table. Wow. I have lit. That would have been a killer ending. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. It's a Minecraft torch. Yeah. Well, um, so why do you think that is, that, that a woman hasn't done that? Or like, d do you find it that, that it is more challenging to make it in the world of, of content creation. Yes, period. Um, I think that the male duo thing has been around since the sort of genesis of YouTube. I mean, Brett and Link were around at the genesis yeah. of YouTube. Smosh. Smosh, yeah. You know, things like those. It's always been sort of the way to succeed. I think Jenna Marbles is the outlier. But I mean, we don't have her around anymore. So to take it to a level of internet empire that these men have i don't know why it hasn't worked i've talked about lily singh before of how they tried to fit lily singh into the white man's role and it did not work because she's not a white man and that wasn't her strength that also wasn't her audience her audience was children and they put her in front of an adult audience with jokes that were not funny and playing this character that she was not and it was it was doomed to fail and that is what we have in the sort of evidentiary pit of women in this role. It's been a failure. You know, it's been only men that have succeeded and it's like, that's so fucking annoying. Even Emma Chamberlain, I would count as a success, but she left YouTube. Yeah. Mm. So you have to do it, be married to it and continue to do it on YouTube. And I'm committed to doing that because that's where my audience is. Why would you ever sell out to you know, a streaming service or this or that and only do that from now on. That's not where your audience is. You know, like people on Netflix aren't going to know who the fuck you are. Your YouTube audience knows. So you can do both at the same time, but you have to honor where you came from. And I think that's where some people get it wrong. So I know you had mentioned SNL and like turning 18, going, mm -hmm. getting that audition. I know it was a dream of yours. At this point, if you had that opportunity and you were given it to like, you wouldn't take it. I don't think so. Why would I leave the sort of comfort of the world I've created to, I also just think SNL is very like abusive environment from everything I've heard. It's very toxic. Why would I willingly enter into that when I could find the same joy and um, fulfillment from what I do right now? Mm -hmm. Sketch comedy is very fun. Improv is very fun, but I could do that via other means, I think. I think also SNL is in one of its very low periods right now. It's just simply not funny. Mm -hmm. There's something that I I feel like that differentiates you in just this conversation and what I'm hearing is that I I think to do to take it to the next step if you want to build something you know mm -hmm. um, I think it's uh, I think you have a very keen love for development and mm -hmm. writing. And I think actually like even when you look at Lily Singh, I know she she has a production company. She was involved in that. But it was clearly stuff that was written for her or she needed yeah. to fit into something. Yeah. And I think that, you know, your even ability to write an essay at, at that level of mm. your your art history videos and then contrast it with like the royal court is its own show and format and you can develop that. Mm -hmm. That I think is where we're moving in the future is like what Amelia is doing, right? Yeah. Amelia has a production company that can write the content, edit the content, and she can star in the content, Period. right? And that is where this is all moving, where yeah. it's like, they're gonna come to Broski Productions Limited LLC and yeah. say, mm -hmm. you know, 
we we want you, but you do the you do the writing, you hire the team, you do it all, exactly. and you star in it. Exactly. So it's like this new world of we're building our own studios, not yeah. necessarily like there's so many different versions of being a creator. One is you're a comedian and your talent. Hey, agents, book me on stuff, mm-hmm. right? The other is. I'm not going to get booked on stuff. I'll make the stuff that exactly. I'm in and you can support that. Yes. Right? And so that that's actually pretty different from yeah. traditional talent of saying, my craft is being funny. Book me on something where I can be funny. Yeah. We're, we're past this point of like, I'm auditioning for yeah. to go do something. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, if you want me as a part of it, I will have my hand in it. And mm-hmm. I think there's some level of, you know, validation seeking that at least I've experienced in my career of when we get an opportunity with a bigger production. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, that's, that sounds amazing. We have to do it. And we do it. And it's never what I want it to be Why is because that? it's, uh, there's always other people's voices. And I, I, I find that creators, internet creators specifically care about the end product in a way that no one else does. Period. No one else does because we touch every part of it. And then we have to press publish on a channel that says our name. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Whatever happens. And Period. whatever happens, it was us. Oh, that's it. And bitch. so when we're sitting in a production with a traditional production company, their ass isn't as much on the line. Absolutely. Right? Oh and my God. Yeah. Wait, I have, a, I have an anecdote. Yes, let's do it. I was a part of um, a campaign for a very large brand. And it was a, a f- like I had to go on set to film something and it was for this larger project they were doing and I was going to be like a cameo in it. But it was one of those where I was going to have to post it on my channel. No one else has to do that. You right. know, the A-list actress yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah. It's me because I'm the digital talent and they make sure to remind me of that. And so I go in and the director is trying to make me do this just cringy no offense, millennial take of like, they wanted me to walk in and be like- you just out us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. We're Gen Z. Colin's thinking about no getting a thing. tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thinking about it. He's been thinking about and, getting and a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Love it. <laughs> but I, I, anyway, yeah. I think that uh, he, he, the director had me come on and he wanted me to walk into frame holding my phone being like, What's up live? Ooh. Oh, I hate that. That's the worst. Like, yeah. what's up, fellow Gen yeah. Zs? Like yeah. that sort of shit. And I was like, I, I literally told him, I don't know if that would land with my audience. I have a, other, a couple other ideas that, you know, yeah. we could try and we could do a few takes of. And he was like, no, just go ahead and do that. And right. I was like, right. And so I did it. And I, oh, in that God. moment, I was like, this is going to bite me in the fucking ass because- mm. I was not as involved as I should have been. And this is going to reflect negatively on me because people don't have the fucking brain power to understand that I'm being paid to do this. I may have to act out of character or I may have to be a little bit more corporate friendly than my usual content, but that is going to negatively reflect on me because they're going to be like, you changed, you sold out, you da da da. I make all this content for free. I have to do these branded posts. Sorry, guys. Love you, team. But, like, I have to do this. And I was thinking about that in the moment. I was like, it's no use to sit here and fight with this director who has been paid to direct, Mm -hmm. where I'm now going to try to direct and maybe, you know, uh, sour the relationship here by trying to step on toes. And so I just kind of took it and I said, okay, I'll do it. And luckily, thank God, the campaign got canceled and I didn't have to post. And I was like, oh, thank God. 
But in those moments, yeah, it's like I have no control. But the reason why you have that is because you actually on set are also the network executive that's about to distribute the thing. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? But so, what I say doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Yeah, but it, that that's the the new world, right? Is like we are network executives Period. On, on our own. I think called Cody and Noel media executives on, <laughs> on our episode and they thought they got a kick out of that. But I think that is what we are. Like yeah. we are, <clears throat> we're making distribution decisions. Period. And so if our audience sees us make a distribution decision that seems weird, it's it's a big risk. We it don't is. have, mm -hmm. we have like this much credibility when we start, right? And everything you do can, yep. can either increase it or decrease yep. it. And that's- Your health you, bar. Yeah, it's like mm -hmm. you with the, with the executive hat on, but then you also have to be the talent. So yeah, it's it, it's the reason why I think like wherever you go next, if you do want to make talk shows or you want to, you ha kind of have to be the production company. You have to have you, your hand in it. It sounds very nice to be like, oh, this Hollywood production company is going to take care of this for me. How great, mm -hmm. I, I get to just show up. No. But it's terrible every yeah. time. Yeah, it, always, it sounds appealing because it feels like they're going to do some of the heavy lifting of identity building, especially right. like if it's a sought after opportunity. Right. Like yeah. SNL, you're like, oh, if I did that, that builds my identity in like an easy way. And, Not if you already have an identity. But it, that's the thing is like, you're already crafting it exactly as you are. Exactly. So like, and it's actually hitting. it's hitting. Yeah. And those opportunities, if anything, are like chopping off part of your identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's that sort of like, it, that sends me into this spiral of selling my soul sort of thing. You know, of like, I could have done this without doing this brand deal, you know, and found funding another way or whatever, but <clears throat> it's the opportunity like that to say, I worked with this brand, I was on this show, but at what cost to your brand, your mm -hmm. personal brand that you've spent money and time cultivating? <clears throat> and what sucks too is these brands will reach out and be like, we love what you do. We want to work with y'all. Do exactly what you would do. And I'm like, okay. And then I do it and they're like, not like that. And it's like, you motherfuckers yeah. don't know what you want. And it's a bunch of crusty 50-year-olds sitting in a conference room like, how do we connect this with the Gen Z's? You know, and it's yeah. like, then let me do my fucking job. And then they don't. And then that has to live on my page for six months before right. I can take it down, if I even remember to take it down. It's just like, what? it's an unfortunate reality of the branded side of funding your passion projects before the AdSense right. takes over. <clears throat> can you break down the business of Brittany Broski? Like I can, what do you, how do you make money? Well, OnlyFans is a big part of the pie. <laughs> yeah. All this goes to yeah. shit. I'm just going to sell feet pics online. The biggest. I imagine that's actually harder than it sounds. Yeah. Because yeah. I agree. I, I imagine I a lot of people hard. think like, I think oh, a lot of people always say picks. that they, they say it jokingly as a plan B. And I'm like, I don't know what that market looks like. That's probably, probably hard to break into. No, you're talking about oversaturated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that when they're like, I'm in the top 0.01 of creators. Those are the only bitches making money. <laughs> I'm serious. Like if you're in the bottom 50%, right. you're probably pulling $300 a month to sell whole online. Right. Crazy. <laughs> For what? Well, let's clip that, put in the intro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah, guys, yeah. we're selling whole. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the intricacies of selling whole. The big business of selling whole. Yes. Okay, so I would say, and these percentages are not accurate because um, it's ever-changing. AdSense, YouTube AdSense. Um, the TikTok Creator Fund is a fucking joke, so I'm not even going to include that. Wow. Branded content on TikTok used to be probably the number one earner for me, but it's slowly dropped off because I don't post on Brittany Broski anymore. Brittany Broski, I just lost the passion for posting on that account. I post on my spam, on my side account. 
Um, so I don't really make a lot of money doing that. But I think that keeps me happy where I don't have to worry, like, is this video performing? It's right, just like right. it's the ramblings of my mind. And I like that. And my audience likes it. And I want to leave it, you know, relatively unbranded. Um, next is YouTube integrations. That is uh, pr probably every other month. I'll get like a, a maybe two brand deals a month on YouTube. And that goes on top of the YouTube AdSense revenue. Podcast revenue, um, that comes from all the ad spots that are sold on my podcast on top of the AdSense that I get from the YouTube channel. That's pretty much the total um, for digital stuff. In real life, I hosted the Barbie movie premiere um, pre-strike. Thank you. Because um, I would never do that post-strike. Yeah. I hosted the Barbie movie premiere. I get paid for things like that. Um, I do college shows. I do live college shows where colleges will have me come out and just like talk about how important it is to stay in school. <laughs> really? <laughs> Got it. That's always kind of the message I try to send because it would be easy for me to go up there and be like, this internet shit's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. Just drop out. <laughs> no, dude. Wow. Like, please, yeah. for the love of Christ, graduate college. Like, have something under your belt to prove that, like, you know, you're a legitimate adult. Um, I go there and I, I do that. And it's usually just like a Q&A, moderated Q&A uh, thing. I get paid for that. And then I get paid to sometimes MC and host things. I've done some stuff for Pride um, and like drag shows, things like that. I'll, I'll host an MC. I think that's pretty much it for the roster of in-person and digital. What's the most comfortable type of money you make? Uh, YouTube AdSense. YouTube AdSense. That yeah. is the most um, comforting yeah. thing that's kind of always there is I know that even if like – I stopped doing this forever. If I had like a mental breakdown and I was like, I can't fucking do it. Those would continue to earn right. for me. And that's kind of, it's an investment in a certain sense of I put all this time and effort into those videos. And sometimes there's not an immediate reward. And sometimes there's a super immediate reward. And it's sometimes hard to stay motivated. But for the most part, I really enjoy doing it. So that keeps me motivated. But even if I were to stop today, I'd still be earning on videos that I posted two years ago. And that's the beauty of YouTube. And I have a lot to, I have a lot of opinions on YouTube as a platform, but I do think that's a kind of blessing is that uh, as people will continue to watch, I will continue to, you know, be rewarded for posting that content. So I do think that the YouTube AdSense is, is the most valuable tool as a creator. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Cause you don't have to get on the phone with anyone. No, it just the money just so shows run, up. Run me my check. There it is. Please. Yeah. But it's hard to make significant amounts of money. It is. And sense. it takes a yeah. lot of time. It takes a lot. You have to build a significant library to yes. do it. Really? I mean, even like early 2020, I had a video on YouTube, hit a million, a million views. And I had like 150,000 subscribers. Like it was nothing significant. And I, I was like million views. Cody Co era, like bring yeah, it in. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. 75,000 yeah. a month. Let's yeah. fucking see it. And I pull up the ad says and it said $400. And yeah, said, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like, <laughs> what a joke. Like, what a joke. There's so much that goes into the back end, and you have to really spend time cultivating your channel and making sure people are liking and subscribing. But that's cringy to ask them to do that. So you want them to naturally do that. And it's like, how do you make them do that? And so spending all that time making really good content that people want to watch 
has paid off in the end. So yeah. I think that that it just took so much time to actually start making a livable wage for me. To, yeah. <laughs> that keep like pays my bills. Are there any changes that you would make to YouTube? You mentioned like you've got opinions about YouTube. Are yeah. there things about the platform that you think uh, need to change or would make it better? I think the homepage is crazy. Like the videos that just the algorithm in general is crazy. I think that uh, how reliant the entire platform is on thumbnails is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like genuinely. There's so many things where I don't know if I have direct solutions, but there's things that piss me off. Um, the trending system doesn't make any sense to me. It's like a, a win if you have a trending video, but what does that mean? And how do you get it? And how do they calculate that? I don't really. And also there's no really direct reward. Oh, it's number one on trending. Okay. It's yeah. gone in 24 hours. So I don't know. I think there are some confusing things, but I know they're going through some changes internally right now that are very exciting. And I have an incredible partner manager at YouTube that I don't know. Do we share we that as well? Reed? No. Nope. No. We know Reed. He's awesome. Reed yeah. is the fucking Great. best. Yeah. Like really cares about his creators and the content and being helpful. Cause yeah. I've had partner managers in the past that are <laughs> the opposite of helpful. Yeah. Like in fact, making, make it more difficult and uh, don't answer questions and all that. So Reed's been fantastic and, and has given us access to like beta features and mm -hmm. stuff like that, that it's kind of made me and Stanley helps me with this of like, Kind of makes you nerd out a little bit. Oh, of course. Yeah, I yeah. never We're, used to give a shit. By before. the way, you're in the right place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, You've come to the community. right place. <laughs> yeah. I would just say, though, anyone who is making content on YouTube for a living and cares about it is a nerd. You have to be. You have to yeah. be. You can, I, and I self-identify as a nerd. I'm glad yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. was going to call you one of yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, for the record, yeah. same. Yeah. Period. Yeah. But you have to be. You're like obsessing over these numbers and sitting on a computer all day. Like, you're, yeah, you're yeah. just like, so... I, I am curious though, as you're talking about that, like beyond uh, analytics and like the numbers, do you know, like what makes a good idea for mm. you? Like what makes something hit and you're like, ooh, that's gonna go? Honestly, things shock me because I'll think it'll be a really good idea and then it won't land. Or I'll be like, I don't give a fuck if the audience doesn't like this, I wanna make this video and then that'll do well. So. The art history videos, I think, are a really good testament to that, where the first couple we made, I was like, this is so different from the normal content that people would expect from me, but I want to make it. And Stanley was on my side. He was like, I'd love to edit something like that. And we made it, and it didn't do well at first. But then that video, the first ever art history video I made, I made it on, um, I think it was on Klimp's uh like Beethoven's freeze or something like that. It was this like uh, mural somewhere in Austria. And I talked about it for like 15 minutes and it probably got like 300,000 views and like 9,000 comments. And that's so out of, I usually get like a thousand comments on a video. Everyone was commenting, please make more of these. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, Stanley, you seeing this? And so we made another one and then we made another one. And consistently through all of those, they have the most engagement which is such a blessing. They don't have the most views, but like they're top earners for me because the fans love it so much. And I, it's so important to me to show that side of myself. And there's a reward that is not monetary in that for me. Mm. And, and it's, it makes me want to keep doing this as a job. And so I don't know, I, I do those for myself and for the people who care and then I'll do reacting to my favorite TikToks because I know that's going to bang. People want to see, people like to see other people laugh. I'll do that. I'll do that all day. Got it. You know, that's why people enjoy watching Cody react to stuff is because it's so crazy. It makes him giggle. I yeah. love to see a man giggle. 
you know? Yeah, yeah, so, likewise. Yeah. I do, it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. It's he great giggles, time. I giggle. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's such a, it's a feedback loop. And so, what does the team look like today to help you put out this content, to help you run the business? Like, what, what is the team? Today? The team today, as it should be, none of the fuckery from 2019, yeah. is UTA is my agency. I have a management company, I have a manager. Um, I have a lawyer. I have a business manager who is in charge of my business finances and my personal finances. And then I have uh, my sole employee, Stanley. I pay him from my company. He's the sole employee, uh, like a salary. And then I have contractors. I have a podcast editor. I have my writers for Royal Court. And then I have uh, my pr production team for Royal Court as well. I pay them on a contract basis. Got it. So that's kind of the core and then the outskirts. Can you talk about the difference between having an agent and a manager? Because I think a lot of yes. like a lot of creators today, I get I hear those terms like essentially operating as the same thing Yeah. oftentimes. So what's the difference for you and, yeah. and why does each help? It was confusing at first too because I was like, it feels like I'm doing the same fucking job. Yeah. And it was because the manager I was working with was acting as my agent. That's why it was right. confusing. Agents are in charge of getting you uh, branded deals, finding you funding for the projects you're doing. Um, and also the benefit of being with an agency is the connections you can have through their other clientele. Once a brand contract is you know, brought to me, or, or it starts more so like, hey, are you familiar with this brand? Would you wanna work with them? And I either say yes or no. Um, they'll say, okay, great. Here's the fee. Here's the deliverables. Are you okay with that? And I'll say, can we try to bring the fee up and deliverables down? Thoughts on that? <laughs> um, and then if we get there, it's like, all right, yes, let's do it. At that point, the agent goes to the brand and says, she'll do it. Send us the contract. My lawyer looks at the contract. And then at that point, when the contract's all good to go, I sign the contract. Then the whole kind of project is handed over to my manager who starts the ex execution chain with the brand who says, um, here's the talking points. Here's when they need it by... Um, you know, here's the specs they want it filmed in, whatever. Let me know if you have any questions. My manager helps on that side with the branded stuff, but my manager is probably the most important in my day-to-day -day because they help me, um, she's a she. Um, she helps me book guests for Royal Court. She helps me kind of stay on top of my emails. She does the um, unbranded stuff. Oh my God, I also forgot I have publicists. They're part of my kind of core mm -hmm. group too. I have a... a two publicists and uh, my manager will interface with them for like the Barbie premiere or whatever, you know, making sure that the styling is there and the outfits done and all that. The manager is day to day, the person I talk to the absolute most. And she does the sort of unpaid stuff that has to happen when UTA kind of hands off the baton. So you could get away with having just an agent if you're a self-starter, I would say, but unfortunately for me, I am uh, very lazy and I'm very um, baby. And so I don't <laughs> like <laughs> having to sort of manage all that by myself. It helps to have someone send me an email with bullet points of yeah. like, you need to do this, 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 and this today. And I'm like, period, can do. I think that I'm a very certain type of creator. Most of my uh, male creator friends, 
they don't really need a manager. You know, they're also not doing the type of shit I'm doing yeah. where it's hosting and it's traveling right. here and mm-hmm. it's running and it's, hey guys, welcome back to my male creators have the privilege of like, they have their privacy and they have, this is my online persona. And then I'm myself off camera, you know, like I think in that sense, all you need is an agent to be like, here's the brand fucking do the thing and send me the draft and then you're good. Mm. You know, it's interesting that you, you uh, talk about it on like, Male creators versus female creators. That that is a really interesting. I don't have. I can't because we any, are. We have an agent. We don't have a manager. Period. Um, yeah, I can't think of any of my my male creator friends who have a manager. It's like unheard of. Interesting. Yeah, because they think they can do it themselves. Yeah, maybe Man, that's. If I was it's by like, myself. I'd have a manager. Period. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I think, but it's also uh, how I've always thought about it is like y- the way you just described your team is very similar to like traditional talent team. Absolutely. Right. That is a talent team. Um, that, that's all those people are there to support the talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, w- for better or for worse, have always looked at ourselves as a media company. Yeah. So like ha- even having an agent felt foreign to the concept mm-hmm. of producing media and selling media, that's which crazy. which we've done, you know, in the past, having an agent like kind of felt like a luxury. It was like, oh wow, we have an agent. Yeah. Like, well, we, were like, we were also video producers for yeah. other people before we were right. creators. Right. So like that was sort of our comfort zone yeah. and our infrastructure was like, let's handle that. Yeah. But I would say that the, you know, it's very uncomfortable for me to get further and further away from the business of what we do. That's like, that was my identity, it right? It's be. like, but the further and further I get away, the better and better the content can get, <laughs> right? Yeah, that was amazing. You gave yeah. me a nice tea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> had no carbonation. Yeah, that's on that's you guys. On um, but I do think that's, that's the important bit is like, even if you are a self-starter and think about it and you're like, I can do this. Yeah. The, the unbelievable, like your time is the most important currency in this whole thing. And the more of it you can get for the creative work, yep. the better. So, even if you're trading that for 10% commission or 15% or 20%. Well, I was, I was going to yeah. ask, so you would say that, I mean, having done this without an agent yeah. and honestly getting along fine, would you say that it's worth every penny to yeah, have an I mean, agent it's a, on the it's team? A, it's a tangible difference, right? Like Absolutely. A, our revenue is is much higher than it, than it was and yeah. would be without having an agent. I mean, you'd um, be getting branded deals, yeah, but yeah. it wouldn't be near it, the scope. Of, no, it wouldn't be the scope. It wouldn't be as comfortable now. I got more comfortable saying no because someone else says no. Right. I'm more comfortable asking for things because I have someone to ask for things. You don't have to be the bad guy. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And that that is, and they do a great job of that. Yeah. You know, so I think that is uh, something that I think before like stepping into it, I would probably tell creators like, oh, you could totally do it yourself. And after being like, even if you think you can do it yourself, I, could, I would highly advise yes. uh, bringing on people to do it. From a legitimate agency. There are yeah. so yeah, yeah, many yeah. even agencies out there that are like, We'll get you, you know, we can promise you six figures in the first month to work together. And it's like, no, you fucking can't. Yeah. I mean, you you just kind of have to keep your head in making better and better videos. That's, that's the thing Mm -hmm. you have to keep your head in. And like, if you actually, like you said, it's, it's democratic. If you're actually making good stuff, people will find find it. it. Yeah. They will find it. And that you just have to focus on making good stuff. Yeah. How far out are you from going to that retin link mythical Cody Noel, TMG level. Cause like, as you're describing, you are, you kind of set up like talent yeah. and your output is unbelievable. Thank like you. the amount you're putting out, the quality that you're putting out. Thank I would you. assume it's like, it feels like media company, mm. right? It is. Like there is like a big group of production happening, but which I think is what would be required to take that next step to yeah. go to like the mythical TMG level. Yeah. Are you actively thinking about that next step? Absolutely. Yeah. We've got a uh, Broski productions in the works. We've got, um, I mean, it's people with like company cards sort of thing. Like yeah. it's, it's definitely happening. 
it's just Stanley's got the company card. Stanley's got, and I'm terrified, <laughs> terrified. Um, he called me on the way, or I called him on the way over here because he was like, "Epidemic sounds coming up, need to renew it." Yeah. He's like, "Can I have the card?" I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, Stanley!" Yeah, so I was like, "Yes, just I'm watching every charge." Um, if you start door dashing shit, I'm gonna be wow. pissed off. Um, just imagining Stanley in a convertible top down right now, <laughs> just cruising on Mulholland. Just <laughs> that was an epidemic sound, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, what was the question you asked me? <laughs> I don't just asking, he asked the question. Like, what steps, are there next steps that you're taking oh, next to go yeah. to that media company? To make Broski Productions. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the first step that kind of made me be like, oh shit, I'm doing this, was when I, I he's, I'm acting like he's right here, Stanley. Um, <laughs> we'll put Stanley up on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I'll do a little green screen image. Uh, when I brought him on as an employee, like offered him an employment yeah. contract and we negotiated a salary. Was that something your management helped with? Absolutely. Yeah. And my business manager. Got it. Um, it's also a strange thing because like, that's my best friend, you know, and I've worked with friends before and it's a very, you know, mixing friends and business is difficult. Anyone will tell you that. And with him, it's just been a breeze and we've had very few tiffs. And even if we have, it's, it's like, because we're, we want the same thing and we're coming at it from two different angles, you yeah. know, like creatively. And, and it's, it's so yeah, having other members on the team to sort of diffuse you're my friend, but I'm also your boss is very strange. Um, so yeah, I, we're in the process right now of he's the first employee. Everyone else is contracted, but yeah, when we show up to film Royal court, it's, I have a producer, I have a DP, I have an audio guy. I have two assistants. I have uh, my manager. My manager is usually there. And the hope is eventually what TMG has done with all of their like producers. I'd like to bring on a producer full time. Um, so if you guys are free, <laughs> I would really like to employ you. Um, we can really elevate this space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some medieval stuff yeah. here would be really sick. Just want to let everyone know this is the last call yeah. from your show. It's uh, been fun. It's been great. Yes. Appreciate it. It's over. You can now find us at Broski Productions. Thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's the next goal is to have a full-time producer because we have a producer for Royal Court, but she kind of helps with like buying props and talking to the talent. I want someone to be like, how are we elevating this? Yeah. Cause right now that's yeah. me and Stanley. Um, but yeah, it's up and up. And I think even the improvements we've made to Brittany Broski as a brand in the last year is night and day difference from 2020, 2021, even, you know, 2022, like this is just, it's so exciting to think what I'm doing now, what is this going to look like in three years? You know, when I'm, how old am I? 26. <laughs> Fuck. Right. When I'm 29, like 30, where are we going to be? Like, is it going to be TMG level spaceship studio? Is it going to be mythical where they have a hundred fucking employees? It's exciting, but it's also like, I'm just a teenage girl when you think about it. <laughs> right. So sure. maybe I shouldn't be in charge of the finance. <laughs> where do you get your validation from? Oof. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just curious. Like, is it, do you need more is, tea? Is it, or, yeah. is it, <laughs> um, <laughs> do you need some apples and chocolate yeah. chips? <laughs> <laughs> hankering for kombucha suddenly in this moment but it, um, it's something i've explored a lot in this career because you know, what's your answer yeah, well because like the million subscriber thing was a big deal for me yeah. like that that felt like a big validation moment yeah um and once you hit it then you realize like okay now i just continue doing stuff so yeah, what, nothing, yeah, changes. nothing changes so <laughs> I, I would say harder. a million dollars was like a big validation moment right yeah. it's like okay that feels really significant um and then over time, you're like, you kind of become a bit numb to like the numeric or quantifiable Agreed. validation metrics, right? And then it starts to become like this new thing of like, I, I want 
people to reach out and respect our work. And I like hearing, I like hearing from people I respect that they watch our stuff. That's like where I'm currently at is like, that is a lot of validation for me. Pure Um, validation. Yeah. Pure validation. And Mm -hmm. that, that even people who uh, like reach out to us and want to come on the show, that to me is like Mm -hmm. insane validation. And that's where I'm at right now. But like those validation is what keeps creatives going. Absolutely. Right. And we're all seeking it like in, in some way, shape or form. So I'm always curious to know like, what is that? Where do you seek yeah. it? Yeah. We're all for me, sick freaks. It's just money. For yeah. Me. yeah. <laughs> right. If well, anyone's wondering, it's yeah. Just, yeah. 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 just here for the check. Just yeah. here for the check. And yeah. then I go home and yeah. 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 Um, I think that in the beginning, I would agree with you. It was very, especially in the early days of TikTok. If a video didn't hit a million views in a day, I would private it. Like I would delete it. I was like, I'm an embarrassment to my family. Right. Name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a broski name. <laughs> yeah. broski name. First of her kind. I was, I literally like used to determine my self-worth on of course. TikTok numbers. Yeah. And then after a certain period, that's when I stopped posting on Brittany Broski. I started posting on Lost My Marbles again, which is my spam account. And that's when I let all inhibitions go. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I just want to post what I want to post. And people love it. You know, and if a video doesn't do well, I don't care because I'm past the point of caring. My validation comes from comments. Ew. Probably comments. You did it. When I get, I said it. When that top comment on a video is seeing me for who I am, not the product I'm putting out, that's very validating. Mm. And I, it makes me feel like what I'm doing online is worth it. Where I'm being funny. Of course, that's sort of the topical note Mm-hmm. of me is that I'm funny, but underneath is like, I'm college educated. I'm an insurance agent. I worked at a fucking bank. Like I I'm bilingual. I can do this. All of these things. Like I am a multifaceted person and I want to show that. And I want people to see that. And so when they see that, I'm like, fuck yeah. Can I ask a That's question awesome. about yeah. pre internet, Brittany Broski? Yeah. Did, did you struggle with being seen like in, in school or like, Friends or not being, I love attention. That's kind of my kryptonite. And I was always a theater kid. So maybe that's my mental illness. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been an attention whore. I've always liked to be the center of attention in a positive way. You know, like I like, I, there is nothing better on this planet, bitch, than making a joke and having a room light up, Mm -hmm. you know, like just killing them. That is one of life's simple joys. And I've always been chasing that high. And now I get to do it to millions of people. But like we were talking about earlier, there's no immediate like laughter in the room because it's to the void. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to adapt my thinking to be like those comments or like, you know, this made my day or whatever, as kind of cringy and insincere as that may sound. I, I really appreciate those comments and I look forward to seeing them. And if I, if I stop seeing them, I've done something wrong. I think uh, my assumption is that like a lot of, when you hear that statistic of like kids, 90% of kids want to be YouTubers or something like that. What, that may not be the right yeah, statistic, no, but you know, true. you hear that yeah. like everyone wants to be a YouTuber. I'm sure Who do you think they pulled for that? I don't know, but I feel like <clears throat> part of the appeal, and I'm just guessing because I'm not like that kid, but yeah. is... Sure, like there's some status and money that they see that like comes with that life, but I feel like a lot of it is probably confidence and control over identity. That you assume mm. the creators you watch have like confidence over the, their identity, they have control over it. And I think that's when, for me, like when I see a comment, like you're mentioning that, that I feel 
affirms like the version of myself that I want to put out into right. the world. Right. That's what it is. It's like confidence over my identity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Knowing who you are yeah, and yeah. Then proving it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like when I hear things like that, I'm like, yeah, that is one of the best parts can be one of the best yeah. parts of the career. It can also be dangerous. one of the most difficult yeah. and dangerous parts of the career because you're following cues that maybe aren't who you are or you're reading comments that are hurtful to who Absolutely. you are. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I you're on the money. And I, th I think coupled with that, the generation that's saying that, you know, a little bit younger than me, but also I guess still Gen Z is like, it's growing up with Instagram in your hand and from the moment you're like sentient, having to perform who you are, how would you not immediately sort of go point A to point Z of, I need to do this as a job because I'm already doing it. You know, like proving who you are and performing who you are and and this celebrity culture we live in where being verified literally is the difference of you being like cool or not. You know, like yeah. that's not mm -hmm. a real way to view the world. And it's so skewed. And I think everyone wants to be a celebrity and that's the easiest way to do it but they don't really know what that means in the real sense of having no privacy and you know having yeah. to sacrifice parts of yourself and and having to always like be on and be on a stage you're on the world stage and it's like they don't know what they're asking for mm -hmm. it's a scary thing and celebrity culture is a major factor in that like a key player of we obsess over these fucking people and we think why can't i be one of those people you know, and it's like, well, maybe you don't want to be. I think that's part of it. When mm -hmm. my siblings say that, my sister used to say that, I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a makeup YouTuber. I want to be a model. I want to this, I want to that. It's like, why? You know, and it's because she loves the Kardashians. Like she loves people like that, where she grew up watching them and thinking that is beauty, that is fame, that's status, that's mm -hmm. success. But that's not, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't yeah. get it. Mm -hmm. And it's scary to me. You, you've, you've spoken a bit about some of the bad parts of the job. Um, obviously like what we get to see is like you laughing, you having a great time yeah. on the red carpet. What are some of the, the bad parts of the job today? I always, when I get asked this question, I always need feel the need to preface it with like, uh, don't take any of this as me being ungrateful. Yeah. Because it's a job and I'm allowed to complain about my job. And everyone's allowed to complain about their job. I still love my job. Get out of the way. I feel like fucking HRH collection. <laughs> For sure. Having such a tight-knit community mm -hmm. and having such an intense parasocial relationship, honestly, from my end and from their end, because I'm parasocially attached to them, um, which is a very interesting discussion in a different way than they sort of look to me for a pick-me-up or for content or for the big sister vibes or the best friend vibes or being a part of the conversation, like the third party and... I don't know. It's um, there are a lot of negative things to come from being so close, but it's necessary for success for what I do for being a personality. You know, how do you explain being attached to them? Because that's not something we've yeah. actually really touched on before. It's yeah, like a generally a creator. Like when we talk uh, to people, it's always in oh they have a parasocial relationship to yeah. me. Yeah, like, it's always them to me, them to me. Yeah, I'm parasocially attached to them because every decision I make is for them. And every decision that I say no to is with them in mind. 
and I don't want to have them be mad at me or be pissed off at me or be upset with me or be unhappy with the content I'm putting out or or decisions I'm making or brands I'm pairing myself with or companies or people I'm associating with. Everything I do is made with <laughs> Broski Nation in mind because without them, I don't have this. And so I think it's unacceptable to not be attached to your audience. I don't think it's as damaging and fucking weird <laughs> as like <laughs> a, a audience member's attachment to a creator. Yeah. And I don't mean that in an egotistical, condescending way because I'm parasocially attached to, you know, my favorite creators. But I do they, – they are a part of every decision I make. And so in that sense, I'm very attached to them. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Right? Yeah, like your first – even if you're doing a brand deal, like your first client is the audience Absolutely. actually. Because even the brand is paying for access to the audience. So and like, if they don't like it, yeah, well, then, it's, a, it's a fail. So the whole business is predicated on that relationship that mm -hmm. you have with them. So they are actually extreme key stakeholders in every decision you make. Absolutely. They are actually the stakeholder in every the decision The sole you make. stakeholder. Yeah, when you're in the business of distributing content. Because if you're in the business of just creating or being talent, someone else handles that. Yeah. But like we talked about, like you are in the business it's of- living on my channel, yeah, girl, yeah. Yeah, so that- that's really interesting. The like the the two sides of the coin to having that incredible depth with an audience. Yeah. Cause like you look at the community you've built and that is I look at it and I'm like, oh wow, that's that's a real community. And mm -hmm. community is a word people toss around. Not a lot of people have it. Right. Where they truly can like if you told your audience to go do something, they will go do it. <laughs> which is scary. Which is which yeah. is intense. We're yeah. mobilizing. But that is the like, <laughs> you know, that is the base premise of this job if it looks look back to the term influencer, like, what does that mean? It means you have influence over people. Um, yeah. Right. It's so, just been so diluted over yeah. time. The meaning of that, the word. meaning of that word and the meaning of viewership compared to right. engaged viewership, right? right? Like engage people are really engaged, but yeah, that, that I appreciate you sharing that, that yeah. like the two sides to that. It's I'm very fortunate, but it's also arriving at that conclusion. Isn't without, you know, fails. Yeah. I've worked with brands. I've aligned with brands who have offered a lot of money and on the business side, it's like, you'd be, fucking stupid to turn down that money but i've done it time and time again because it's bitten me in the ass before i've partnered with a brand who i'm like yeah i'll just hit these talking points yeah. get my check and we'll be back to business there is something to be said that's very admirable about gen z and being an informed consumer and when i have worked with brands in the past that maybe haven't been the most sustainable brands sustainable in like an eco yeah. sort of way or um ethically like the greatest brand, but they have a lot of budget for creators. I don't hear the end of it as I should. I should be kind of, you know, slapped on the wrist for taking money from a company that I didn't take enough time to look into what they're really selling and what they're promoting and what they've done yeah. and lawsuits maybe they've been involved in and things like that. Their, their um, manufacturing process, if it's ethical, things like that. And this happened during the pandemic when so many things were changing and people were just fucking mad at the world. Yeah. And I'm an easy target, you know, like straight white woman online. Get me, girl. I get yeah. it. Like, I get it. But it was a big learning lesson for me of I have a responsibility to not only myself and my brand, but the audience that I'm selling to. If I'm selling mm -hmm. a product that I didn't even think twice about because the money they offered me was so big, you know, it's like I that's a fail. To me and it's it's being irresponsible with the platform and it's being irresponsible with the trust that the audience has with you so in that sense yeah the parasocial relationship yeah. is is it made it stronger because i was like i disappointed them 
I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> this is the worst feeling ever. <laughs> right. So yeah, never fucking doing that again. I'm yeah. so careful about what brands I let sponsor my content, especially the podcast. You know, it's like, if I'm going to make you sit through this unskippable ad, I need to make sure that it's up to par with my standards. So it's a troubling thing because I'm saying no to money, girl. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard, especially because this job tomorrow's not promised. I know y'all feel the same way of yeah. like brand mm -hmm. money could stop at any time and sure. it's mm -hmm. scary. So saying no is like, it's, it has to be worth it. And it is, you know, for, yeah. for the, the relationship building thing. How do you go from what you're doing right now into voiceover, which is something you've mentioned mm -hmm. you want to do mm -hmm. voiceover, um, maybe stand up comedy. Is that still something you want to no. do? No. Okay. Uh, acting. Is that something you want to do? No, no. So voiceover <laughs> is the thing you want to do. Yeah. How do you go from this to, to voiceover? If you have any tips. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, it's probably, you know, it, there's going to be an element of it that's just pure reach. Yeah. If we put Brittany yeah. Broski in this, we get Broski Nation. I would imagine right. it's a pretty competitive yeah, field. That's, it so, is. Like, it is a competitive it field. We're already seeing is. this happen with voiceovers where, like, it matters that, like, someone is voicing, right? Yeah. That, like, celebrities yes. are voicing people. I would say so. reach is probably at the top of, of, of the list, right, when it comes to decision making. Yes. Um. I think it's a similar conversation to music where there is a large influx of creators who, because of their success online, they think that they can move into different yeah. sectors of entertainment, which they absolutely can. It just has to be done in a tasteful and correct way. I think that the first step is to kind of bring the Britney Broski brand into more of a household name, the way that like a... a even in my household growing up, like PewDiePie was, you know, we're like, wow, PewDiePie was a household PewDiePie, name. PewDiePie, because we were all internet kids, so we all loved PewDiePie, and it was like, that's amazing. It was, I mean, yeah. even my mom knew about PewDiePie because my brother was like, hey, 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 PewDiePie, he got married. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, in the way that Mr. Beast is probably today, exactly a household name. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like there are a few, a handful of people, even like Ninja being in the Lego Movie, right? Mm -hmm. That sort of shit. Yeah. That's gonna be. The next step for me, I think, before that world of voice acting opens up, because right. my dream is this sort of what Josh Gad was to Olaf and Frozen, you mm -hmm. know, the sort yeah. of funny little character, mm -hmm. little guy. That's what I imagine. That's what I want. Yeah. And uh, to do that, I mean, Josh Gad, he was in Book of Mormon on Broadway and all this sort of stuff. Like he had a very successful career. But Olaf was like, you hear Josh Gad and you know Olaf. Mm -hmm. I would love something like that. And I think that that could be possible if people know my voice enough where it's like you see me in an animated movie or whatever and it's like, that's don't show and show's voice. You know, like yeah, that's that's yeah. one of the cool things of animation that it would be such an honor, especially with Disney. It would be such an honor for me. It's a, it's a dream. But I do think there's a few more steps to get there. Um, and that coupled with music too of like is the way to do that through a soundtrack or like does it have to be a musical or does it – I don't know. And would they make me post about it? <laughs> Are there yeah. deliverables on TikTok? It's, it's interesting so. that it's like the distribution of your name and your voice are the, probably the next couple of years for you. It's like ensuring those Wild. are distributed in a way that has mass appeal uh, yeah. and also depth with like continuing the depth with your current Absolutely. audience, right? Yeah. That's so interesting to think about. It's, like, it's exciting, about but that. it's also yeah. kind of nerve wracking. It's yeah. also weird to think how far it's come in the last two years. Right. Yeah. How different it, it's, it is since the pandemic. So, yeah, it's absolutely a, a dream of mine. And I do think it's very attainable because we've seen it done. Maybe not 
in the best way or the most successful way. But, but there's comps. It's been it's done. Been done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been done. There's there's a clear track record there yeah. of, of that. They've paved the way. So I think what's cool too is uh, you've shown interest and ability. Like mm. you've used filters where right. like mm-hmm. you show up like you're speaking as a Cheeto, as a potato, <laughs> as a fly. Right. As a duck. Right. Like th- these are out there yes. and they have lots of viewership yeah. and they're very convincing. And I think Thank that's the so cool much. thing too <laughs> yeah. for people who are watching who are also interested in yeah. like anything that do want to pursue at another level is like there's probably some version you can put out there. In the right. World, right. Yeah. yeah. Or we, we got to have someone from Disney watching. Right. I know yeah. you Someone's guys are watching. watching. Right now. Someone's guys, watching. Guys, yeah. Smear, let's yeah. get. We need Walt Disney <laughs> yeah. on the show. I mean, listen, just contact our collective agents. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We got For the, any one of us. Yep. Yeah. Email in the bio. Any one of us could do voiceover. <laughs> any one of us. Any one of us. We'll even go at as any a trio. Time. We'll come as a trio. We'll <laughs> yeah. come as a package deal. Yeah. Fine. That's what Hollywood does, right? Fine. They package yes. talent. Yep. So let's do it. Yep, yep, yep. Can I ask a millennial question? Sometimes, yeah. I'll allow it. When you say period, is that like. Is that like on God? Is that like that type of thing? Or it's yes. like, got it. Yeah. It's like, imagine cool. the 100 emoji. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's an emphasis to yeah. what I, to what the other person just said. Yes. Period. We'll cut that part out. So no one knows <laughs> I asked that. Yeah. yeah. You want to know what slay means as well? No, or do you listen, have that one on lock? No, no. I, okay. I know that cause I am it. So yeah, I got it. That was it. good. Yeah. Well, at least you know. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I know. Okay, queen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Period. Yeah. Period. Period. On, exactly. On God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was a millennial question. Yeah. Right. I asked permission, well, which yeah, is a millennial thing to do. You're yeah. wanted like yeah. three at a time. Right. So yeah. just give me a warning before the next one comes. Um, okay, cool. Well, thank you so much. It's for, been so yeah, great. Yeah. Oh, dude, this yeah. is so fun. Yeah, I thank really appreciate it. Thank you guys for it. being prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, wow. you're welcome. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for having we me. We had a great time watching your old TikToks. Uh, so, I, yeah. uh, if I had one of those mind wipers from Men in Black, yeah. I would do it. Anything pre-2021 yeah. for me, you don't need yeah. to see it. I'm excited to see uh, what's next because I think like, Thanks. you know, when I when I think about the summary of this story, mm-hmm. uh, just sitting on uh, at the end of this show, it's like it's a, it's a story of like having this like having it, which I think is really unique for a person to just have it. Right. Like you just yes. have it. But then it's a story of like finding the right puzzle pieces in team mm-hmm. and human beings around you Absolutely. to amplify it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's 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 a really important story to understand. And like, I think you shared a lot uh, and, and you're very transparent about how, like what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And like the value of sometimes what we think is like, we are digital, we should do things fully independent, like entrepreneurs and build things in possible. our own way. But there's actually a traditional system that we can plug into mm-hmm. that's really supportive of the creative things we wanna do. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's if, if I could summarize some of this conversation, I think that's the story, Yeah. which is great. Do y'all feel that way too about how you never would have done certain things if you didn't have access to that support system? Of course. Like, yeah. like how has that really affected you? What yeah, have I, you done? Yeah, I think um, like public speaking has been a big part of it. Period, uh, yeah. Yeah, that it's like gotten us into rooms and, and you know, put us next to people that the, just to get to meet those people is incredible. But yeah. to I get- I'd say for me too, public speaking being a skill set, I didn't know I wanted to try or sure. that I would enjoy. Yeah. Period. Like just even yeah. that is interesting. That like without this career, I would not have explored it. I would not have yeah. even explored it. I, love I think that. also like the context that that people who have been through it with other talent can bring to you is so important, mm-hmm. right? Of just like it's not it's unfamiliar to you, but it's not unfamiliar to them, right. and so they can bring you a lot of peace in that. Mm-hmm. And I would just say like the 
the like removal of stress, what that does to you as a creative mm-hmm. is, is really impactful. So it is. there's like the tangible stuff, which is like, yeah, we have access to a lot of things that we didn't have access to before. One of those things is information and, and knowledge. And that is like, that's invaluable. Yeah. You can try to do it on your own, but why, yeah. why kill yourself in the process when there are people there to help? Right. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My team is fantastic. I'm very, very fortunate. Period. <laughs> 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 All right. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks, Thanks team.